Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to the Way of the Truth Warrior. I'm your host, David Whitehead, and I have a jam-packed show for you today. So strap yourselves in. This is going to be a good one. Lots of slides, got some links, got some uh, details to share with you related to the recent release of my chapter eight, my documentary series, Cult of the Medics, which you can watch right now for free on all your favorite alternative platforms, but you can get it all linked over at cultofthemedics.com. It's right there on the home page. You can also go to the chapters tab and catch up on previous chapters. Um, please help me share this out. This chapter is extremely important. I feel it's uh, my finest work so far, put lots of work into it. And I'm already getting a lot of incredible feedback from all of you. I first of all, just want to thank all of you for just the incredible support. Uh, it's been amazing. The support that I've been able to receive on this channel, on my Telegram channel, through my email regarding this series, uh, the donations, the just the words of support, the efforts to try to share this out as far and wide as possible. Uh, I just, I'm overwhelmed. And I just want to say thank you to all of you because without you, I couldn't do this. There'd be no point. And I know all of us out there are trying in our own ways to get the information out that we have, try to wake up our friends and neighbors and families and our countries and our world to what's really going on. And to try to also provide some hope and inspiration and let people know it's not all bad. That's what I'm here to do. It's definitely dark. Okay. I'm not going to kid you. If you watch that chapter or any of the work that I do, you'll know that there is a lot of evil in the world. There definitely, definitely is. But the good news is the bad guys are not the only show in town, folks. I've been saying it for a while. Been saying it for a while. And evil only survives when good people do nothing. So why do, how about we just stop doing nothing and we start doing something? This project, this show, this work, the work I do on Unslave with Michael Desarian, the guests that I bring on, the cult of the medics, um, the conversations that I have with so many amazing people out there that are also fighting for truth, freedom, and justice. How could you, how could you see all of that? How could you see people waking up all over the world, at least to the surface level? I know it's not perfect. I know it's not going to be what everybody thinks it is with some great awakening. But there is an awakening happening to the fact that evil has crept its way into our institutions, our media, our government, our medical system, everywhere, academia. Because <laughs> the common denominator no matter where you look in history, in the present time, no matter what carpet you lift up and try to see what's under there, what's the common denominator? Us, we humans are the common denominator. So this isn't here to just point fingers at one group or one whatever. This is an indictment. This is an investigation. This series, the work that I do, it's an investigation into criminality, corruption, evil, and also by studying that, by studying the dark subterranean netherworld, the underworld, which is the focus of today's show and this recent chapter, by studying that, you're not just sticking your head in the mud and looking at the horrors of the world. By studying the great evil, by studying the underworld, you are studying 
the opposite of that as well. In Greek, they call it the apophatic approach. You're negating the false, negating the, the lies so that the truth can be seen because that's just what it takes. It's not going to be delivered to you on a silver platter. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard and it's going to be challenging and we're all feeling it and we're battle weary and we're tired and this is the world is just getting crazier by the minute. But I hope that in the end, you can see that the main point of me harping on these subjects and showing you the research that I have and, and listening to what you guys have to share as well, because I know my audience here is extremely well-educated and I appreciate that. And I appreciate all your comments and, and all of that. But, you know, when we look at it all, we're studying the good and the evil. We're studying the, the light and the shadow. We're studying the yin and the yang. There's a purpose to it all. There are people being used, whether they know it or not, in this world for either good or evil. And that capacity exists within each and every one of us, as Solzhenitsyn once brilliantly said. And so you got to look at it from that perspective. It's not a group thing. It's not a collective thing. There's collective elements to it. There's group elements to it. But the focus of it is to get to the individual, get to your individual mind and the question is, what can I do? What can you do to help turn the tide, to help win freedom, truth, and justice in your own life, even if the whole world rejects it, even if the, the tyrants win, what can you do? And then from there, we can talk about what you know people can do if they come together in a proper way that isn't some kind of hive mind that's easily led as it has been for so long. So... Hope you guys are all getting cozy. I just wanted to give people a moment to jump in. This is going to be a long one. Uh, get your notepads out. I'm going to give you lots of stuff. And even, you know what's funny? I spent the whole day going through and just pulling out, you know, gems of the notes that I've saved just for this chapter. And um, I'm realizing what a task this project is. It's just, it's so massive. It's so huge. And uh I'm just glad to be on the ride. I'm glad to have you all here with it or with me on this journey. Uh, but I had to only select the best gems. There's so much more. There's so much depth to each second of that chapter, each second, each image, each bit, each script, each part of it. There's little clips in there that you could dissect into a whole series of their own, into whole books and volumes. The amount of sources that go behind what I put into chapter eight is mind numbing. I can't even... I can't even show you that. I'll show you what I got. I show you a bunch of it, but just so you know, what I'm going to show you today and what I showed you in that chapter is still a drop in the bucket. And guess what? Even still, what did I release this? Like less than a week, was it Friday? What did I, when did I even release this? It's been such a blur. Mere days ago. Um, I'm already getting fantastic emails and messages with people that are already, they got it. They picked up the thread. They're like, Hey, did you know there's, here's this study. Here's this thing that happened. Here's this place in the world that nobody knew about, you know, it's amazing. And sorry, if I can't get back to everybody, I, I read in what I can, uh, thank you anyways, uh, for, for bringing it to my attention. And that's what I wanted to do with this inspire all of us out there, especially those of us that do work publicly. Uh, but each and every one of us to try to take this up and run with it. And what can you find? This is what I found. This is the research I have 
pull together my life and my experience from my perspective. What can you add to it? What can you subtract to it? What can you improve upon it? Okay, this isn't just about who's right and who's wrong and what's the best way to look at it. There's nothing but variations out there. Nothing but variations of different ways of looking at this incredible story. Incredible story. So maybe I'll kick it off with uh, the quote that I ended the chapter with. And just so you know, I wouldn't say there's necessarily spoilers in this. Okay, so if you haven't seen chapter eight, don't tune out. I mean, stick around. All right. It actually will help add some more context when you do watch it. If you've seen it, this will definitely help add context to things that you saw flashing up and little things. You're like, what? How does it all fit together, man? This is crazy. Information overload. Can you imagine that's only a fraction? And it's already information overload. But anyways, I'm going to help you guys the best I can just so you can see where my head is at with this. Okay. And the notes that I've got. And then you let me know what you think. So the quote that I closed it with, and I didn't put the whole quote because it would have been too long, uh, comes from Andrew Cohen. He's an author. And he said, if you dare to take up the banner of freedom, you will be attacked from all sides. From the inside, you will be attacked by your own mind. And from the outside, you will be attacked by everyone else's mind. Seen any of this happening? Anyone who dares to succeed automatically presents a huge threat. If true freedom is going to survive within you, you have to be willing to fight for it. You have to have a sword in each hand at all times. One sword is for your own mind, and the other sword is for everyone else's mind. You must be ready to use them, because anyone who wants to truly be free must be willing to stand alone in the truth. Freaking love that. So many good points. I do a whole show just on that quote. <laughs> but let me just tell you what I think about this is first of all, it's got the warrior thing throughout it, you know, the two swords. I've talked about sword being also word, the word. You just put an S in the front of it, and now it's a sword. The sword has, you know, a traditional, at least Western sword would have two blades, right? The double edged sword. So you have one sword for the world and one sword for your inner world on a metaphorical level. Okay. We could do another, uh, maybe I should do a fun, like martial arts vid where we actually do like some legit sword fighting techniques and stuff just for fun. But we're talking metaphorically, philosophically talking about the psyche, talking about the war you're in right now, which isn't a war of swords and bows and arrows and guns and tanks and bombs. This is a, this is an information war. This is a psychic spiritual war. So if that's the war, if that's the battlefield, if they chose the narrative and the social mind control and, you know, the media and the press and the information and the suppression and the fact checkers and all that, if, the, if that's the kind of war we're in and it's dirty and it's ugly and it's horrifying, the propaganda is thick. You could cut it with a knife. Um, if that's the kind of war we're in, then you need to put on the proper armor for that war. You need to equip yourself with the right kind of sword. And then you have to know how to use it when, especially when you're under pressure and duress, right? It's the whole point. So the two swords, the one for your mind, the one for everyone else's mind, because what's happening is we're coming out of a type of conditioning process. 
and there's a practical side to this process that we all have that we think collectivistically, right? We think in terms of the tribe, the herd, the culture, the nation. That's good. But when that supersedes your ability to individuate, that's what Jung called individuation, the ability to pull yourself also out of the hive and the tribe and the collective and the nation mind and to become an individual that can think for itself, that can become a genius and contribute even greater things to that nation, that family. And uh, the one of the biggest forms of mind control that exists in the world is to put a false element, a false, inauthentic, manufactured version of collectivism as the dominant way of thinking in, in our world, especially in the Western world. I mean, it's already been well-established everywhere else. So the West was the first place to go, wait a minute, what if we have rights based on the individual? What if we allow free thinking, which would mean you have, a, you have to be an individual, you have to individuate. Yeah, this is freedom. Like we, we, we created this concept of freedom based on the fact that you are multiple things. You are a social animal and you're also an individual uh, being that can think for themselves. Because what happens, this is why, guys, this is why. For all the collectivists out there, what happens when the collective goes mad? What happens now? Now you got nothing. You got no sword left, do you? You're going to be led by the nose over the bridge because everybody's jumping over it. You're not going to question. Look what we're seeing. Don't question. Bow at the altar. Join the cult. Do the ritual. Play the part to fit in. And look where that has gotten humanity so many times in history. And look where it's going right now. You're going to own nothing and be happy, aren't you? Not going to be very happy. Um, because you won't have any freedom. You won't have the ability to resist the mass mind control and pull yourself out and go, hold on a minute, everybody's going stark raving mad. I shouldn't follow. <laughs> you need to have two swords. And if you really want to be truly free, you got to fight for it. And this fight is not necessarily physical at this stage. You have to be able to fight your own mind because it's going to want to break the conditioning of, well, you know what? I kind of agree. Everybody's going nuts. This is, they're all following propaganda. They're being led like sheep to the slaughter. Uh, but it's too hard to stand alone in the truth. I just don't have the will. I don't have the endurance to last this marathon that we're in. So I'm going to tap out and I'm just going to become one of the faceless zombies in the crowd because it's easier, easier, far easier. Even though your life, your lifespan will be significantly diminished and significantly diminished in quality. Let me tell you that. But hey, I get it. It's a sales pitch they put out there. Oh, by the way, I'm drinking um, my favorite lemon deadly tea. Did you see that article coming out from the UK? can't remember what BBC or something. They're like, we found the culprit that's causing all the heart attacks. It's the drink that you've been drinking this whole time. It's tea. <laughs> so hopefully I survive this podcast while sipping on my lemon tea. Um, but anyways, yeah, so wanted to open up with that quote. Uh, without further ado, guys, I got so much stuff going on here. I'm going to have to just get started so we're not here all night.
unless you want to be here all night. I don't think so. Let's try to get through this to be very concise. So where do I bring us now? Uh, yeah. What's the premise of this chapter? What's the premise? Well, let's start with the premise and go from there. So the premise is that a very dark subterranean realm exists in our world that I'm just calling the underworld, right? I think we're all starting to get a glimpse of that dark subterranean realm here and there. And I also, I put this bit in because it's so crucial. I should have maybe spent even more time on it, although it wasn't intended to be the entire uh, focus of the chapter because I have other chapters planned around this. Um, but the, the inner underworld, I was looking for the correlation. I was trying to establish and say, you know, I take you through a bunch of different things. And then the idea is, you know, is there a connection between the state of our outer world and the state of our inner world? Right. So you just kind of flash up a couple guys, people are like, who are these guys? Well, you got Plato on the left, Young on the right, just two of, of many we could mention that have gone into this concept. You got Plato's cave. The famous allegory that we're all seeing play out in front of us right now. I won't recant, I won't recall it. You guys can go read up on that. Plato's cave, go read that allegory. And then, of course, you have Carl Jung's shadow, what he calls the shadow. Now, I'm not even going to spend a lot of time in this episode on this concept because honestly, if you really want to dive into this concept, you go to unslave.com. That is where you're going to get the masterclass deep dive unique information you'd never heard before about the nature of the self, about who and what you are, the fact that there's layers of trauma that go all the way back to ancient times, um, that there's something called the ego, the super ego. You've got these uh, sort of archetypes in your mind, which are not as mystical and fairy airy as you think. It's actually extremely practical. Um, we also take a very practical approach to the concept of your intuition uh, that's a huge component. Again, that's not another airy-fairy thing. It's very practical. In fact, I felt very intuitively guided through this entire process of doing Cult of the Medics. Um, and so, but your shadow, the dark side, if you, you, we all have a dark side. The dark side rooted in fear, right? And fear leads to the dark side, doesn't it? And fear can be something that motivates you when you know how to control it. It's kind of like the element of fire. If you use fire to warm you and to cook food, uh, go see my, uh, my fire cast episode I did with my good friend Dante on that. We had a good conversation about the nature of fire, but just as a, as a concept, you know, you've got the whole Promethean fire concept. You've got the fire in the sky. You got the torch of fire that led, you know, it just, there's constant references to this use of fire, but you could look at it psychologically and you could talk about the fire of the mind and fire when controlled, can serve you in a way it, it provides you everything you need to survive. But if it's out of control, if that shadow, if that fire in your mind burns out of control, then it destroys you. All right. So your fear can be like that fire. I think Rocky had a bit on this in one of, one of the Rocky movies. Um, and so the shadow is that it's the projection on the wall. 
It's the, it's the stuff you don't want to deal with consciously. So you repress it subconsciously and you don't know why it keeps creeping up in the people you're meeting and the pe you keep running face to face with it and you keep trying to hide it and put band-aids over it and drink yourself to sleep about it. So you don't have to think about it. But in the reality is if you address it, if you uh, nurture it, if you speak with it, if you, if you work with it, you can master it and it's part of self mastery. So the inner underworld is the underworld journey. It's the hero's journey that we all go on. We all go on. It's actually the basis of all the myths and legends and all your superhero stories. They all have two faces, right? They wear one mask for the world to fight the crime of the real underworld. But then there's always some inner crisis going on that they have to address, some fear that they have, some, some issue. So we're each on this heroic journey of the underworld. And I look at it as like the microcosm and the macrocosm. Right. I kind of brought up really briefly there, the hermetic principle of correspondence as within, so without, as without, so within, and it goes on from there, but that's a key one as within. So whatever's happening inside of you is acting like a magnet to the external world. And it's bringing you what you are asking for, even though you might not feel like you're consciously asking for what you might be getting served up with. But subconsciously, you absolutely are sub the sub realm, the subterranean part of you, the underworld part of you is calling into being these tyrants is calling into being the tyrants in your own life, in your own personal life. What's missing inside of you, you're going to seek in others. And if you grab that from if you latch onto the wrong person who happens to be some kind of vampire or tyrant or control freak. And you project that onto them that shadow of yourself, then you are in a master slave relationship and you are the slave, right? Or you're going to become the master and you want slaves below you because you're insecure because you didn't deal with that inner shadow and become the true imperial self the, you didn't activate the kingdom of heaven. You activated the kingdom of hell. If the kingdom of heaven is within you, where do you think the kingdom of hell resides? You know, it's all right there. The inner underworld. So this is a huge, this is this little bit that I dropped in there of just like a quick little, oh, there's also the inner world, the underworld. I mean, it seems like a quick little glance, but there's a whole study in itself. Unslave.com is where you go to get more on this. Okay. And I think it's relative because if there's something we're, if something's happening in us where if you think of like the period of Stalin or Hitler, any of these tyrants in history, Genghis Khan, Nero, I don't care who it is, uh, you know, you, you, you got to remember that. All of these tyrants were voted in and cheered the whole way while they were destroying freedom and destroying human lives. All the cult leaders, right? Something in us. Yes, there are predators in the world, but there's something in the prey, us, that's actually begging for them to take the thrones of power because there's something missing inside of us. And they know that. That's the crazy thing. They know everything I'm telling you and they know how to wield this knowledge against you. doesn't make the knowledge and the information itself wrong. It just makes it that it, you need to be aware of it so that the wrong people don't use it against you and you can actually use it to benefit your own life. So the path to freedom in the external world must always start in your internal world or it will never happen. Guys, we'll just keep replacing one tyrant with another as we have for thousands of years. 
right? So don't just wait for the world to suddenly snap out and it's suddenly the Garden of Eden again. You need to start doing that in your own life. That's the main message here, okay? And then you got your physical underworld, which is what we kind of focus on for a bit. Again, a whole series could be done on this. I'll probably do more on it. Um, you know, just looking at some of these underground places in the world. They're all over. The ancient ones, really fascinating. Going to Darantukuyu, Turkey. You know, Lalibela, the churches dug underground. Going to France. We have all your catacombs. You got catacombs in Rome, in Austria, all over Europe, all over. the. There's all the catacombs all over. You know, these museums of death where we go, oh, it's just a nice little place that we go walk in the underworld with all these bones and stuff so that we remember the suffering of the poor souls. Is it that or is it a shrine that was built by these dark satanic cults to build monuments to their empire? So there's the cover story <laughs> and then there's the real story. All right. But I'll let you spin that. You got Poland, these underground rail stations and stuff. It's endless. Okay. I wish I had the book in front of me. Uh, we'll do it another time. There's so many books. You could sit here just listing books you could read on the underworld. Fascinating. It's been throughout history. I got a little more on this too, but this this bit was a lot of fun to do. And again, we just did a real brief treatment of it. There are so many fascinating underworld places, guys. You know, you got your religious orders that all have their own underground networks and systems and physical structure, underground structures, and even underground bases. You got your Mormon temples underground built after the Mithraic concept of building your temples underground. We're going to get to that. Um, of course, the, the uh, Mormons being started by a bunch of Freemasons. Okay. So go follow that thread. Um, as are they all, they're all different branches of Illuminism. That's what that what it really is. What they're what they're putting on the surface. They're taking old ancient pieces of wisdom and truth. They're remixing it, repackaging it, turning it into a new brand, naming it something different, putting a few different things on the label. But it's all the same. It's all the same stuff. And they they put they put it out in public. They got the public big grand cathedrals and halls and buildings and temples, and then they have the underground temples that nobody wants to talk about. What goes on there? Why are these orders, these Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Catholics, Islam, doesn't matter, Shriners, why are they just loaded top to bottom with pedophiles and child predators? What's up with that? Drug addicts, embezzling groups, the committing fraud and, and slush funds because these religious orders are all exempt from taxes. Who do you think goes to knock on their door to see if they can funnel, you know, uh, wash a little bit of money through those doors? And, you know, how dark and dirty has it really gotten? Doesn't mean maybe everybody involved doesn't mean maybe even some of the founders were seeing it like that. But that's what it's become now. That's what it is now. You got your what's going on in Utah? What lies beneath Salt Lake City? What lies beneath all the cities of the world, my friends? You go to Ottawa, you go to Vancouver, you go to New York, you go L.A. <laughs> you do the whole thing on L.A. There's even quotes that were like, the entrance to the underworld of the planet exists in Los Angeles. Like, <laughs> every city has undergrounds. 
And there's this, oh, that was for the war. That was during the war. There's bunkers. You got Churchill's bunker and there's just, it's just very practical. Oh, it's just sewage systems and uh, subway systems. And oh yeah, you believe that, eh? Let's not get too gullible, my friends. There's a lot more going on than you think. You got what's going on in Rome? What, what kind of knowledge are they holding from the human race that could be very valuable that they pillaged after conquering the world 10 times over, looting and burning and destroying the peoples that held this knowledge, sequestering it and then bringing it to Rome, repackaging it and selling it back to you to keep you in compliance, not to enlighten you, not to lift you up, not to connect you with God, but to connect you to them, to connect you to them, their criminal racket under the guise of the good and the light. It's wolf in sheep's clothing. It's not wolf in wolf's clothing. All right, we got to get that right. Look at these monuments found. Look at this stuff found under the Vatican, under Vatican City, these old monuments. You got these, what's with these cherubims and children everywhere? What is this? Especially when we know what's really going on over there. Now, if you want to get a little out of the box, Here's a nice little bit. I was going to put this in, but it would have taken the whole <laughs> program into another direction. But stay tuned, my friends. We will be revisiting these subjects in the latter three chapters of the series. This comes from Michael's book, uh, Michael Tessarian's book, Atlantis, Alien Visitation, Genetic Manipulation. It is a compendium of source material is what it is. It's just sources and links, and you can go look it up for yourself, all these different things. But check this out. He's saying the Hopi Indians speak of an underground world called Sipapuni, where their tribe originated. So they believe they originated in the underworld. Interestingly, G. Warren Schufelt discovered underground tunnels beneath Los Angeles, which the Hopi believed were inhabited by, get this, a lizard race over 5,000 years ago. In his book, Agartha, Robert E. Dickoff recounts the story of a Tibetan monk who learned that a secret alliance between reptilians and human sorcerers was responsible for causing chaos among Earth's surface societies. We live in the surface world, my friends. Apparently, the subterranean evildoers projected bioenergetically. Bio okay, so apparently the subterranean evildoers projected bioenergetically disturbing frequencies. There's your harp and your radio frequencies disturbing frequencies into the minds of human beings. Dickoff wrote that the monk led 400 warrior monks into the caverns to, quote, do battle with a serpent cult. <laughs> Whoa, what kind of band-aids are we peeling off here? Let's just move on. Okay, a little bit of reading for you. Now, this bit i would have had to bring in so many elements to put it in the chapter so i just kind of left it for this and I'll, I'll probably do more on this later if you remember i did a show um with dr brian artis where he was ex he was talking about an experience where he was speaking to dr david martin about how david martin was trying to warn him about the club of rome and dr artis had never even heard of the club of rome so what's this club of rome what's that david martin's like yeah yeah trust me these guys are the top guys they even tried to recruit me. And um, there have been many that have come out and talked about this. And he said, yeah, they're actually an old Mithraic cult. And that just perked my ears up. And uh, if you know the history of Rome and 
you know, that brand of Christianity, the surface level, the churchianity that they created um, off of the death and destruction of uh, the peoples that they destroyed to get that knowledge in order to create that, um, then you'll know that one of the, the previous dominant sun cult that was prominent in Rome at the time was Mithraism. Same deal. You got your light savior. He's, the sol he's a solar king, right? He dies on the cross for everybody's sins and is resurrected and the whole deal, right? It's the whole thing that happened before they even went to the Council of Nicaea and built Catholicism. And what a lot of people don't know is that the Vatican itself, the actual building, the actual place that is its own sovereign territory, by the way, um, it is built on top of old Mithraic temples. And those Mithraic temples are actually sequestered temples that were taken from the Druids who were wiped out by Rome and these cults. And so there's a whole history behind this, but this is fascinating to me if we're talking about underworlds and secret cults, okay? So this is just from Wikipedia. This And Wikipedia, I use only just because I like showing you mainstream sources that admit this stuff. They let these things come out. Okay, because part of this is they kind of have to tell you. And the other thing is they can't possibly put it all under wraps. So this is just the cert. You can dive into Mithraism and all that on so many different books and writings, but just the, the mainstream is telling you this stuff, okay? A Mithraeum, it's called a Mithraeum, is found in the ruins of Ostia, Antica, Italy. Temples of Mithras are sunk below ground, windowless and very distinctive. In cities, the basement of an apartment block might be converted. Elsewhere, they might be excavated and vaulted over or converted from a natural cave. Mithraic temples are common in the empire, although unevenly distributed with considerable numbers found in Rome, Ostia, Numidia, Dalmatia, Brit Britain, and along the Rhine-Danube frontier, while being somewhat less common in Greece, Egypt, and Syria. According to Walter Burkett, the secret character of Mithraic rituals meant that Mithraism could only be practiced within a Mithraeum. So they, they have to practice the religion in the underworld, guys. Okay. Some new finds at Tenyon show at yeah, Ten Tenyon show evidence of large-scale feasting and suggest that the mystery religion may not have been as secretive as it was generally believed. I differ with that. For the most part, Mithraea tend to be small, eternally distinguished, and cheaply constructed, the cult generally preferring to create a new center rather than expand an existing one. So they just set or move around and set up different franchises under the underground. The, Mithraism, the Mithraeum represented the cave to which Mithras carried and then killed the bull. And where stone vaulting could not be afforded, the effect could be imitated with lath and plaster. They are commonly located close to springs or streams. Hmm, there's your goddess connection. Fresh water appears to have been required for some Mithraic rituals, and a basin is often incorporated into the structure. You, know, you got all these like fountains everywhere in all your major cities and in front of the Vatican. Oh, it seems nice. I like fountains, Dave. What's your problem with fountains? I got nothing against fountains. I just love symbolism, and I love not just symbolism the way we look at it, I'm curious about what that kind of stuff means to these people. There's usually a narthex or antechamber at the entrance and often other ancillary rooms for storage and the preparation of food. 
the extant Mithraea present us with actual physical remains of the architectural structures of the sacred places of the Mithraic cult. A Mithraeum is a modern coinage, and Mithraeists refer to their sacred structures as spellium or antrum, which means cave. Crypta, which is underground hallway or corridor, phanum, sacred or holy place, or even templum, a temple or a sacred space. In their basic form, Mithraea were entirely different from the temples and shrines of other cults. In the standard pattern of Roman religious precincts, the temple building functioned as a house for the god who was intended to be able to view through the open doors and culminar portico sacrificial worship so the gods could worship the sacrifice or could view the sacrifices. That's how it was looked at. Sacrificial worship being offered on an altar set in an open courtyard. He's saying so most of the other cults were really open about it, had lots of windows because they thought, well, then the gods from above could see the actual rituals and the sacrifices and then respond, right? But Mithraea were the antithesis of this. The Mithraea didn't have that. They, their gods were the gods of the underworld. So they didn't need the windows to show what they were doing. So, so much more can be said on that, but just really quickly, check this picture out. This is a picture from the Museum of London. And they're just discovering ruins. Uh, does it say the date of when they discovered this? Looks like it's in the 40s or something. Now the ruins. So this is the this is the Mithraic ruins. Because so what you're looking at now is the ruins that were discovered of a Mithraic temple. Okay, so they're just sort of digging around and they start to find these these old temples underground. So now the ruins are going back whence they came. And get this, media giant Bloomberg you know, one of the prominent members of the fake news, is building its European headquarters on land that takes in the original site. The Temple of Mithras will be reconstructed underneath the office block at the exact spot it was built in AD 240. Ground level in Roman London is seven meters below today's city. So Bloomberg wants to build its headquarters in London on top of a Mithraic temple, you know, just because, hey, the Vatican gets to, why doesn't one of its ancillary media organizations, Bloomberg, also not get to? Perhaps they are all members of this Mithraic cult, which also goes by many other names. And then you got Secret in Rome. It's just from an article, uh, the, sh the Temple to Mithras in the Basilica San Clemente. Anybody know about this? You ever been to Rome? So what is the Basilica San Clemente? At the street level, the Basilica di San Clemente is a fairly ordinary-seeming medieval Roman church, which even on its own is something quite extraordinary. As you walk in, although it's not impressively old by Roman standards, the floor tiles are fancy marble mosaics from the 1100s, and there are pretty 15th-century frescoes behind the altar, and as a place of worship, it's free to enter. However... What's not so obvious from the outside, though, is that the current church was built directly on top of an earlier church dating to 392 CE. That, in turn, was built on top of a Roman house, which dates as far back as the first century CE, and around 100 years after its first construction, it was used as a temple to the mysterious god Mithras, <laughs> whose followers used to undergo complex initiation rituals and congregate in shady underground temples. What's going on here? It's, it gets better. 
and a little more claustrophobic, says this article. As you descend down another level to the Roman foundations of the building, you walk on Roman streets and you can see the Mithraeum, the temple dedicated to the god Mithras, which sits in a cave above a subterranean river. There's an altar featuring Mithras knifing a bull, and a river rushes even further beneath you, and you're already around 10 meters below street level. Here, it's cold, close, and echoey. The rooms are tiny, tortuous, and small. In places, there are small gaps in the stone floor where you can see and even touch the fast-flowing water beneath. People also throw coins in, which Blanca told me, just one of the correspondents, was popular in many Roman cults and is also a practice which dates back to the pre-Roman Celtic civilizations in Europe, <laughs> all the ones that they wiped out and stole all their practices. Interesting that people still like to throw coins in water and make wishes to this day. So what are the origin of all these little things that we do, hey? Eh? It goes back to a lot of these cults. So before we go there, let me just come back to you real quick, just to say a few more things. So there's a documentary... Oh, it's no, it's not a documentary. It's a documentary that's done in a film format and it was made in Toronto, Canada. And I've got to say it must've been around 2010 or something like that, maybe 2011. I think it's just called the conspiracy. I'll find the link and I'll put it on my telegram after. Okay. Hold me to it. If I forget t.me DW truth warrior, and I'm going to put all the slides and all the goodies over there for you guys, all the links, uh, after the show. Uh, but there was a, I watched it last year for the first time since I first watched it when it came out, 2000, I think it was 2010. And it's the story of a couple guys that are trying to see if conspiracy theories are real. And they're just a couple college guys. I think this is going to be super fun little documentary they're going to do. And they film it almost like the Blair Witch Project where it's like really real, but it's like there's actors and everything. It's actually really well done Canadian film. And it surrounds them running into this guy on the street who's like one of those dudes, long beard, you know, he looks like a homeless guy and he's out there with the signs, you know, Georgia Guidestones, which just blew the fuck up. Eh? Uh, Georgia Guidestones are going to kill everybody, New World Order, the whole thing. It's a big conspiracy. And he was the guy in the streets talking about conspiracies. Everybody's laughing at him and whatnot. And so they use this guy and they started talking to him. And it turns out this guy has like whole storage rooms full of of data and evidence. And he's like the guy connecting the red strings on the wall and everything. And, uh, so they, you know, they still think this is just a big joke. So they're just going in and getting footage. And then, um, eventually they get invited to through all these different ways. They get contacted by, they get contacts with somebody cause they're posing as journalists who is involved in one of the elite. I think it's like one of the elite Yale university or university groups. Um, that is involved with one of these old cults and they get invited to one of their ceremonies and the whole thing ends up being a Mithraic cult, the cult of Mithras. And they actually smuggle themselves into this big seance ritual where they're doing the slaying of the bull ritual, but it's not a bull. The slaying of the bull is they're taking out a real human being as, you know, as the symbolic of the bull. And, um, I don't want to give the whole film away. It's actually really good. I, I recommend you check it out, especially after what I just read to you about the Mithraic connection. And there's been many researchers in the sort of conspiracy movement that have looked at the cult behind the College of Cardinals and the Black Pope and the Jesuits and the Vatican and the whole the whole thing, Knights of Malta. It's all they, they believe it's Mithraic. It's a Mithraic connection. Now, again, that's just 
ABC level, when you get into people like Michael Desarian and, and others, Jordan Maxwell, and, and so many other scholars, uh, you know, um, Baron Avril Manhattan, uh, so many other, they'll give you even more details. And in fact, as I'm talking, I think over at michaeldesarian.com, if you go to the articles tab, he's got a whole thing called the cult of Mithras. So go check out that article. Cause I'm curious. I want to read that article again. And we did even some shows on it on Unslaved. So there's a whole, I'm just telling you all this cause there's a whole connection to the cult of Mithras. It's interesting that many of these cults, uh, were born in the underworld. Fascinating. So moving on, um, we move on and we hit, you know, someone who's a true patriot, a true hero, former FBI director of Los Angeles, uh, may he rest in peace, Ted Gunderson. And that clip that I found is rare, is a rare clip. I did my best with the audio, by the way, you know, you can only do so much, but um, what an amazing amount of information that this guy left the world before he passed. And if you start following up on what he's found, you'll realize that all this stuff you heard about Pizzagate and all this stuff, you know, from these Isaac Cappy people and all the Hollywood people coming out and talking about stuff. And uh, you, you hear little whispers here and there, Boys Town and my God, so many aspects. You're going to find out that Ted Gunderson was well ahead of the curve. He was actually investigating satanic cults. That's how he referred to it as. Um, and he found that a lot of them had underground bunkers that were connected to underground tunnel systems. And if they ever were found or caught, a lot of these were actually placed underneath, um, uh, what do you call it? Nursery, not nurseries, but uh, daycares, right? So you just think, oh my God, daycares, underground caverns with tunnels, satanic cults. Uh, hospitals having these things built under. And if they had, if the FBI or any of these agencies ever went in and found it, it was found filled in with cement. He was the first one to talk about that. I, I listened to an interview with his, I'll try to find the link. There's so many good ones, but just go start listening to this guy's presentations, go listen to his interviews, get into Ted Gunderson's work. He was well ahead of the curve before any of the modern versions of this information were even a blip. Okay. So we got to give credit, proper credit to the true heroes that came out and blew these whistles a long time ago. And, um, he said, I brought all this evidence. He's like the evidence that I found of human trafficking, the connection to terrorist networks, drug trafficking, um, this, the intelligence agencies, the satanic networks, the new world order, all that stuff was all connected. And when I furnished that information, at a very high level from extremely credible sources. And I brought it to the DEA or I brought it to the state department or I brought it to my superiors. I was ignored. And you are going to hear this, my friends, if you ever sit down with a, uh, a someone who has suffered from ritual abuse or pedophilia abuse or human trafficking or any of these things, they will all tell you that every time they try to get any kind of legitimate help, they are ignored. And that's why in this chapter, I kind of went to town. That little bit in there was a bit, was pretty emotional for me. It lit my, you know, lit my blood on fire. I was pretty, you know, you got to go through it, right? Um, that's why I, I put it as, well, let's, you want to talk about plagues that the whole world needs to be aware of and we can all unite around to fix? Yeah, here's your plague of concern, all right? 
and it goes far deeper. And he even said, that information is just a drop in the bucket of the information that I developed. So rest in peace, Ted, you're ignored no more to all the victims of this evil. You are also ignored no more. And may this come to light. May this information come to light to wake up the world. Because here's the issue. We're not just dealing with a couple cartels or triad gangs or, uh, you know, mafias. Who runs that? Who built that? Who allows that to persist in the world? They've got all this technology, these intelligence agencies. They've got corona programs, which we're going to get to spy programs, track and trace. They can find you in the freaking jungle if you didn't get your vaccine updated uh, or if you didn't pay your taxes, but they can't track down the most perfidious, evil underground criminal networks in the world for decades. And they just ignore the guys that work for them and go, oh, I did my job and I found a whole shitload of satanic underground cults that are trafficking drugs, children, people, organs, you know, weapons, they're sneaking in terrorist networks and suitcase nukes, and they're just ignored. And then who else ignores them? Well, of course, the media ignores them. They smear them. Oh, Ted Gunderson, the conspiracy theorist. No, dickhead, the director of the FBI for 27 years in Los Angeles, one of the most evil places on the face of the planet. That guy who went to his grave with his information and has been vindicated time and again by other whistleblowers and other information that's coming out. And it's only just beginning. What do you think is coming out with this Hunter Biden shit? Look at all, look at that. They just hacked his phone. That's only a drop in the bucket. What do you think's on Anthony Weiner's laptop that made a bunch of FBI guys, street level FBI guys retire after watching it? What do you think's going on in Epstein Island? Which was also, by the way, after they went in, what, what happened to those underground... Bunkers underneath Epstein Island Temple. Temple. Another Mithraic connection. What happened? It got filled in with cement. Just like Ted Gunderson had said, he found it every single time. It was their MO that they would find it. They would get the satellite photos or they would get the details or they would have a whistleblower. They would get to the site and by the time they got it there, it was filled in with cement. And then the media, oh, there's no such thing. It's just satanic panic. He didn't panic enough. So DEFCOM 5, my friends, missing children. You get into this. I could only look into this research for a short period of time before I literally had to just be like, okay, I've got enough, you know? This, the, what I showed you in this chapter is the PG version of what's really going on. I just wanted to show you it's going on, you know? And you've got your connection to DC, District of Kulum, in bed with these trafficking networks. You got your evergreen, you know, what's going on here, guys? You got to snap out of it. Everybody's afraid of a 99.x survivability rate virus, and they don't know what the real virus is that plagues this planet. Come on. Uh, did I skip one? No. I just wanted to, here, we'll go here and I'll go back. I put it out of order. Then we move on to Jane's story. And, um... This woman, I, this is from an interview that I did, uh, was it two years ago now? Uh, I've got it linked, just so you know. If you go to cultofthemedics.com and you go to the chapters and you go down to chapter eight, underneath chapter eight, I have put, or my wife who helped me with that site, she put the links to the 
interview I did with Michael on the serpent cults and also to Jane's story, Jane's, the interview that I did with Jane. Uh, that's what I got the bit that I put in the chapter from. You can watch the whole thing. It's stunning. Her story is incredible. It is the story. It is the story that should be going viral. And I would like to see uh, this story picked up by people that are in the alternative movement that have huge followings um, because it tells you everything. It, this Her story is so gobsmacking because it, again, she's not just someone coming out that that sees the small little picture of oh there's a couple you know little gangs doing some things and trafficking for prostitutes and it's just low level crime uh she was adamant about the fact and she said it as there are people and she said it in my case there are people that are in the positions of trust power and influence that are involved in this trafficking network is an international criminal network that is not just in the human trafficking business. They're in the drug trade, the hard narcotics, the weapons, the illegal weapons, funding, uh, bringing the weapons into your terrorist groups and cells and your mafiosos and your gangs and cartels, uh, bringing those weapons in, um, shipping this stuff all over the world, funding terrorist networks. These guys are big time. They're in with the Asian mob, the Russian mob, the Italian mobs. Because all those guys are puppets on strings too, even though they like to pretend they're not. For the real gangs, the criminal overworld, which we'll get to. But her story is incredible. It's a hard story, but it's a beautiful story because of just how powerful she is. Just an incredible person. I speak to her regularly. Um, she's just incredible. And she's never had any justice. Everybody told her the same thing. She had FBI agents. She had uh, MPs in Canada. She had RCMP. She had lawyer after lawyer after lawyer look at her case and go, oh, I'll take this all the way. You've got more than enough evidence because she names the people. She knows exactly who's doing this. And it's not just, again, your local pimps. This is up to the top, up to, the, up to your parliament, up to your Washington state, up to your university level. Doctors, she said, lawyers, Hollywood people, fashion people. Hey, speaking of fashion people, Peter Nygaard, Canadian fashion mogul, arrested for pedophilia and human trafficking and crimes. And he had a case that was set to be heard on the same day that we had the big Rogers network outage in Canada and everything got shut down. So his case has now been delayed as a result of that. What an amazing coincidence that is. But will we ever crack through the ceiling? Obviously, if this criminal network, underground network that I'm talking about and so many other people have been talking about exists, and it exists to the level, the elite level, that has corrupted our courts, as, as Gunderson was saying, it's corruption in the courts, corruption in the police, prosecutors are corrupt, judges, they've got them all paid off, and you wonder why nothing ever really happens. Only a little bit of lip service, and a bunch of PG-rated little made-for-TV documentaries that just talk about a little bit of low-level crime. They never connect it to the top. All you need to know is that is not always what's done. It's what's not done. All you need to know is that this exists. It still exists. It's been known and written about and documented by high-level whistleblowers from the police, from the FBI, from these intelligence agencies, because not all intelligence agents are bad, folks. There's a lot of good people working in these agencies, a lot of good people working in these, but they're they, they realize that the whole thing, like 
Victor Marchetti coming out and writing his book, The CIA and the Cult of Intelligence. Realizing, oh my God, there's an infrastructure, there's a closed group, there's a firewalled group, a little cult within that is managing this. It's a criminal network. We've been infiltrated. Infiltration, right? So if all of this is still just happening and you got police coming out for decades going, I got, I got the evidence. I exposed, I found out who the big mafia kingpins are and they're squashing it. They won't let me do my job. That's been happening for decades. So either the people at the top are involved or they're covering it up for some reason, probably because they're involved. So incredible story. You know, she said there were Knights of Columbus involved. I thought that was interesting. She just pulled that. I never said anything to her about my own research. Knights of Columbus, eh? What's up with these chivalric orders, these Vatican agencies? Look at that symbol, by the way, the fasci. Huh? You know what that symbol is? The fasci with the sticks bundled around the axe head. And then you got the sword in the background showing who runs the show. And then there's your maritime symbol in the background. The maritime admiralty law, the anchor. The anchor and the sword behind the fasci all placed on top of a variation of the Maltese cross, which is just an unfolded pyramid seen from above. There's your Knights of Kulum, the Knights of the Dove. What are they doing? I thought they were all just charitable, philanthropic, uh, Catholic, uh, Jesus-loving little organizations. That's the, these are wolf in sheep's clothing, my friends. Here's a little bit about the Knights of Columbus from uh, Michael Tessarian's article by Sword and Shield, which I referenced heavily in the first few chapters of Cult of the Medics, because it's basically exposing the Cult of the Medics. He says the Knights of Columbus are another wealthy and powerful American order of exons. And exons is a term that he kind of uses for, he's not talking about just some knights, the guys with swords and chainmail. He's talking about the cleric orders, the real power brokers behind them, that when the knights get defeated or the knights get disbanded and burnt at the stake publicly so they can go, look, we got rid of all the evil mafias. These guys run the ship from behind, from the underground. They take the knowledge underground. They keep the cult knowledge within their own bloodlines and they preserve that criminal cabal. That's your exons. So the term Columbus from Kulum relates not to a person, but to a dove symbol of the David's or commanders of Aton. So the Davids, uh, when you look at the etymology, he's talking about the cult that came out of ancient Egypt, the dark sun cult. Note the shield on their emblem. Many other Masonic flags feature this heraldic device denoting chivalric orders such as the Templars. Note the colors of red and white, also symbolizing the Templars and also the Nice of Malta. Um, note also the fasci representing fascism or better said, socialism because that's the ideology that came out of the world of the occult. And you can go see the show that I did uh, talking about the whole, the real system of world government that they want, where I speak about that. The sword symbolizes might over right, military action and violent suppression, while the anchor alludes to the old Sicilian pirates, the pirates whose contributions, piracy, extortion, offshore banking, maritime law, etc., allowed their fellow orgs to seize world power. 
So these pirates were in the employ of these aristocratic elites and papal families. The Skull and Bones Society is the American branch of this particular secret cabal. And I get into that a little bit in uh, the section of Chapter 8 called the, CIA, the Cult of Intelligence, where we go into Skull and Bones, the connections to the Knights of Malta and the CIA. The, they still fly the Jolly Roger, as it's called, the sign of the ancient pirates, who bear no resemblance whatsoever to the darling swashbucklers of ludicrously, de ludicrously deceptive Hollywood extravaganzas. Guys, everything you know about pirates is wrong. Okay, please, can we move on? Um, in piracy, a red flag signaled imminent danger. It demanded a vessel or person heave to and open all coffers and purses for violent confiscation. No surprise, then, that a symbol commonly used by the Knights of Columbus is that of a skull and bones as first used by Templars and pirates. And then he's got a little quote here from Stephen Knight from his book, The Brotherhood, which I highly recommend everybody read that still believes the Masons are all just a bunch of goody-two-shoe charitable foundations. I mean, maybe on the lower levels, you know, but when you get into the top black lodges in Europe, we're well above that. Uh, so Stephen Knight says, there is a modern day order of Knights Templar within British Freemasonry, which claims direct descendant from the medieval order. And all these Columbus, Shriners, Knights of Malta, Knights Templars, over time, they sort of became amalgamated and they became centralized. And they're all run out of the Vatican. And so quickly, let me just jump back here. Yeah, I just want to quickly do this. So one of the symbols of this cult is this double-headed eagle. And I wanted to show the progression. So I kind of have this video uh, panning the ceiling in one of the uh, cathedrals in, in um, Malta. And this was uh, footage that was collected by Philip Gardner in his really good documentary. I featured it in chapter six. And if you just look at the symbolism in the architecture, you know, on the top left, you have, you know, the, the bird claw holding the world, hold, holding the, the sphere, right? You've got the children around these little uh, fig leaves and oak leaves. It's all druidic symbolism with the fig leaves and the oak leaves. And you got your children there. Of course, we know this, uh, this cult is extremely involved in the pedophilic cult. And then when you move over to the right image, of course, at the top, I just wanted to show you the order of how they present their heraldry. Okay. So at the top, you have your Knights of Malta cross, which is your four directional points pointing to the center, which I was just sort of speculating. Hey, is it the center of the earth, the journey to the center of the earth? You know, is there something going on there with the underworld? Um, you also, that's also the unfolded pyramid, right? So you have that sitting above the crown, right? So then when you, when you go to the bottom right, it's panning down to the crown. So Knights of Malta cross, then the crown. Okay, because they're showing you how it works. And then you have your double-headed eagles, which, you know, a lot of Austrians and Germans and Russians think they all invented, but they didn't. Um, they just inherited it. Uh, and so I just gave a quick little reference. And again, this symbol alone, we could talk a lot about it. On first reading, you can find it relating all the way back to the Hittites. It's an ancient Hittite symbol. Uh, you can, can you can go into the ancient connections with people like Ralph Ellis and Tessarian and others who talk about the Hittites and the and then the fifth sect and all this stuff going back to Egypt. Um, so symbolically, though, you know, this is a two headed eagle that was a Hittite religious symbol 
The famous Austrian eagle is said to have been derived from the symbol seen on Syrian temples during the Crusades. Syrian temples during the Crusades. And if you remember, if you know later in the chapter, I'm speaking about sort of the history of spycraft and intelligence gathering throughout history. And that Syria was actually one of the places that archaeologists found um, histories and relics that were denoting the fact that they were very well involved in spycraft and intelligence gathering back then. And this was actually one of their symbols. And, you know, you start looking at, again, the intelligence symbols, which we'll get to, it's all over that. And so if this was a Hittite symbol from the far, the Middle East, and you think about what these chivalric orders did during the Crusades, where they interfaced with a lot of these different uh, families, these Eastern Illuminati families, and groups and piratical families, the uh, was a Silesian pirates and all that. Michael gets into all this in the interview I did with him. Um, then they co-opted it and they brought it back to Rome, right? They brought it back and that became adopted as one of their official symbols of the Knights of Malta in the, in Rome, in Malta and in the Vatican. And then of course, everybody thinks it's just their country's flag. But again, where does all the flag symbolism even be even come from who invented it all who invented it all right so you know look at this you got mixed races here so these guys on the surface that are all nazi eugenicists supposedly white supremacists um are interfacing with groups all over the world and have their agents installed at the world health organization your un your globe, because these these guys needed to create globalism. They created globalism. They created that entire the sustainable the SDGs, sustainable development goals, Club of Rome. It's all the same gang, and they put your WEF puppets in place. They financed it. They built it top to bottom. You know, when you got the World Economic Forum kicking off its annual meetings with blessings from the Vatican, you know what I'm talking about here. These connections are not so far off. It's an ancient cult. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the charitable, good-hearted Christianity that you think it does. That is for that is the marquee out front. That is there for your appeasement. There's something very dark going on. And it's under these people's watch that all this filth, evil, corruption, tyranny, and, and trafficking and all that stuff is happening. So either they're incredibly incompetent or they want it to continue because they are the lords of the overworld and the underworld. Now this little bit, this one was just, anybody that knows me personally knows that The Crow with Brandon Lee is probably my favorite movie of all time. I've got a few faves, but I love that movie. Um, you know, it's your typical revenge film, but it's just got so much character to it. And I love that he's got this sort of dark persona that he comes back to haunt the evildoers with their own, you know, he's like projecting the fear back to them. And uh, so I have this little bit where I just sort of reference the crow as just, I, you know, just kind of bringing up an archetypal character from one of my favorite films as the messenger of justice um, that, you know, doesn't operate within the system. It, it's well above. And I'm not here encouraging people to become vigilantes and go out on it. And that's not what we're talking. This is all archetypal. It's just, it's the principle of justice, you know, and I love this quote from 
Joseph Jobert, where he says, justice is the truth in action. So if you ever wonder what justice is, it's truth in action. And so justice and truth and freedom, they all go hand in hand. And to be the warrior of the highest class, you must embody all three. All right. And that that's the spirit. That's the, that's the archetype that is being called into our psyche now as we face this great evil and this corruption. It's also there to give you courage. And then we get into this bit about light and shadow. I just do this sort of dramatic part about, you know, if you're having questions in your mind about the nature of good and evil or the nature of truth and lies and this sort of dualism there, um, you got to understand that they're not separate. They're actually in a relationship. So just as your mind has the light of the conscious mind, it also has the shadow cast by that light of the conscious mind, which created the subconscious mind. And in the principles of light, if you just look at it, all light casts a shadow, right? If I'm outside and it's sunny and the sun is hitting my back, I'm going to see a shadow on the ground. The brighter that light is, the darker the shadow is, the more pronounced the shadow is. So just using it as a metaphor to help you understand good and evil, that it's the sage and psychopath concept we got into on Unslaved. We did a whole series on this, that there's not, it's not these two total diametrically opposed things. They're actually walking the same bandwidth on a razor's edge and one goes on one and one, one goes on the other. And there's a relationship. Uh, actually in the movie Unbreakable with uh, Bruce Willis. They, they talk about, it was him and Samuel L. Jackson, right? So Bruce Willis and Unbreakable, he's like the hero that's discovering that he has these powers and then he's going to try to find to do something and serve justice and help the people that can't help themselves. So he becomes the hero in the story. And he's the Unbreakable one. He's the one where he's never broken a bone in his life. He's never been sick in his life. He, he can bench press like 500 pounds. He didn't even know. He's something's different about him. He's the strong one. Like the, 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 uh, the something made him into this superhuman. And then on the other opposite side of it, the arch nemesis that he has to face is this Samuel L. Jackson, who is, they call him Mr. Glass. He's the opposite of Bruce Willis. He, he can't even tap his elbow on the desk without shattering his arm. He, he's very frail. But he has an incredible intellect. He's incredibly intelligent. And there's a phone call that, that this character does and leaves a message for Bruce Willis in the film where he's talking about this concept. He's like, we're not that different, you and I. We're just different ends of a spectrum. You went to this and I went to this. And so we need each other, right? There's even this in the Batman, especially in the comics, where there's a lot of this dialogue between the Batman character and the Joker character. And the Joker is always playing against Batman's anger. And his he's always trying to get a rise out of him. He's like, without me, you wouldn't exist. Without the Joker, the Batman wouldn't exist. So when are you going to give me some gratitude? Eh? Like this was, he was always taunting him. Eh? Whereas Batman's just thinking, I just want to eradicate all evil, you know? Um, but interesting, interesting story that's there in the myths and the legends. And don't forget, all these comic books are just ripoffs of all the ancient myths and legends. Um, and they're telling you about light and shadow, good and evil, right and wrong, you know, truth and lies, and that there's a relationship that's there. So 
this is why I also believe that in even some of the deepest, darkest bowels of these secret societies, there are also good people that are trying to bring truth out that are fighting from the inside. Um, because where you find evil, you will find good. And where you find good, you will definitely find evil. In fact, the moment you try, it's like that quote from Andrew Cohen, the moment you try to go out and do something and make something of yourself and embark on the hero's journey, that's the light shining from you, right? You're trying to activate your light, the inner light. You're trying to activate it and then actualize yourself through the expression of that light, right? And uh, when you do that, you're suddenly a threat to all the people that are sitting there enviously looking at you as you're taking up the mantle and making something of yourself. And they're going to pull at your cloak and try to drag you down to their level because they see you as a threat to their illusion that, oh, I'm always going to be poor little old me. I'm always going to be a victim in the world and screw you for trying to be a victor and go stake a claim in this world and, and become something and fight for truth. And you're probably getting that from your friends right now that are out there, the normies that just absorb media all day and then pretend like they know what's going on. And you're out there trying to go, Hey, did you know about this, uh, world economic forum? Have you seen these Pfizer data? Have you seen all this shit? You know, what's going on with this human trafficking cult? You see the Hunter Biden footage where he's arguing with a prostitute about how much Coke he has and all that. Like, and you're trying to talk about facts and specifics. You're, you're trying to shine the light of truth and you're, you're, banging your head up against the wall. Why the hell are they not just going, really? I've never heard that before. I will check that out. Like you're not getting that. You're just getting repulsion and you're a Nazi. You're a crazy conspiracy theorist. You're dealing with little man syndrome, little woman syndrome right there. You're dealing with light and shadow. When you try to cast the light of truth and reason, you will be haunted immediately. Just look at the comment threads of shows like mine. Follow the channel. How many bots? I've had to kick out like 4,500 4, bots out of Telegram, you know, and the trolls and the emails that I get where people threaten my lives and the lives of my children because I said something that pissed them off. Light and shadow. When you try to do something good, you activate the shadow and other people that are threatened by it and they will come running out of the, the orc army will come out of the ground, out of the underworld to try to bring your, just bring you down and destroy you. And that's just a fact of reality. So suit up. Don't get pissed about it. Don't, don't turn away. Just expect it. Expect the world to hate you when you try to shine the light of truth and reason. Expect hatred. Expect opposition from even the people you thought you could trust, the people you thought were on your side. Because that dance of light and shadow happens all the time. Where you're trying to do good, the evil comes in and goes, oh, you think you're tough, eh? Let's see if you can withstand this storm that we're going to throw at you for trying to be good. And what does the warrior whisper back, my friends? You look him in the eye and you say, I am the storm. Try me. Y'all ain't shit. Never back down. Shine the light no matter what. And address your shadow and victory will be yours. What do I got next here? Ah, and there you go. To finish off that bit, it's real quick. I just popped it in there from Morihei Yoshiba. He was the founder of the art of Aikido, Japanese master. I love a lot of his philosophy. Reading his books are just incredible. I get so much out of it. And this is my favorite quote of all time. This is actually the quote that launched Truth Warrior years ago. I, I used this on the main cover of the show I did on, uh, what was it, American Freedom Radio or whatever. 
and uh, it was foster and polish the warrior spirit while serving in the world. Illuminate the path according to your inner light. Ah, your inner light. Not the synthetic light, the false light of these illuminists. That's what they're into. They like to say the word light, all right, <laughs> but they're not using it the way we're talking, the way Morahai Yeshiva is talking about. Morahai Yeshiva is saying, you activate your inner light. You know, you look even in the Bible, it's like the God is light and ye are light and the light is within and all this stuff. And you go into the all the ancient traditions, they keep telling you this. You get into uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton's work on the photonic light and the cell structure, you know, epigenetics, magic, real magic, Christ consciousness, light, you know, the real light. But then there's the false light, the maya, the illusion, the refracted light. That's what your Setian illuminists are into. That's the illuminati. Use the light as a weapon to blind the masses, to lead the masses to the circuses, to lead them to the slaughterhouses that are all lit up like it's Christmas so that everybody goes and walks into Circe's temple and doesn't realize they're being prepped for sacrifice. That's the light they're working with. So work with the real light and that real light emanates from within you. It doesn't come from the external world. And then we move on to the question. This is the question of questions, the whole thing. The two schools, the two opposing serpents, the two, not opposing, the two, uh, the two expressions of this evil in the world is the criminal underworld and the criminal overworld. This is the question, main question I'm trying to drive home in this whole thing is to see if there's a connection between these mafia cartels, triad gangs, all these low-level mafias that all believe that they're the king of the hill because that's how these egomaniacs and megalomaniacal psychopaths work is they need to feel like, oh, I'm the king around here. This is my turf. It ain't your turf, bloods and crips. There's been cults that are far above you that own that land and are using you as circus animals just like everybody else. So just make sure you know that. Is there a relationship? Hell yes, there's a relationship. Is there randomness and, and nuance and uh, groups that just act independently for their own competitive dominance in the hierarchy? Yes. But above all that is the birds of prey, the overworld that a lot of these people know nothing about and they don't realize they're pawns in a far bigger chess game. So I believe it's all connected. Your two serpents going up the staff of Hermes. Maybe once upon a time, just we're talking about the inner world, outer world, the spirit and the matter, the, you know, the wisdom, you know, and, and all of that, or the Kundalini running up the spine, illuminating the consciousness. Maybe that's what it meant once upon a time. But to these people, they choose their gang signs based on plundering the old mystery traditions and the wisdom traditions that they've destroyed. And, um, and they ha it has a different meaning to these setians, okay? And so that's the two worlds. That's the way the left and the right hemisphere, the left and the right political spectrum controlled by the same brain, the same wings, the same uh, rule and compass, right? We run the whole game, both sides, the black squares, the white squares. We've got you by the balls, as uh, George Carlin said. That's how they see it. But these people, their time is short. So there you go. You're a 
checkerboard floor. We rule the checkerboard floor. And we've got these holy chivalric knights that come on a white steed with bright shining armor to save all the damsels in distress from the evil dragons. Bullshit. Not saying there weren't any good knights. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the medieval period. I love, you know, there's definitely a lot of good stuff there. But the what are knights? They're org, they, they, they follow orders. Just like the knights in the military of today, don't they? Do they think for themselves? Do they think autonomously? Nope, they're trained to think as a unit. They're trained to follow orders without question. Who's given the orders? That's who you need to know about. That's the people playing the game, right? And here's the people playing the game. They go back to ancient families, ancient bloodlines, ancient cults and religions that you know nothing about. Most people know nothing about. Even I'm still, as much as I've learned, I still know jack shit about it. I just glanced at it compared to what's to be known. Look at them. <laughs> I'm not, I don't even have to point this out. Just stare at this image for a minute and just make some mental notes. What's popping out at you? Canadian intelligence, British intelligence, Shin Bet, the Middle Eastern Islamic, you know, crescent moon. Who, who, who invented all this stuff? That's your Holy Roman Empire, my friends. You got your goat symbolism, which in its original had nothing whatsoever to do with any satanic, dark Satan stuff. It was just the goat. It was a go back to the box saga. It's just that they looked, it was, a, it was a very, there was a primitive explanation. It was an ancient explanation as to why some of these Druidic tribes, these groups use these symbols. But again, the archive was pillaged, turned on its head. Nothing, nothing wrong with a crescent moon or a bright shining five-pointed star. You know, not even anything wrong with a hammer or a sickle. I mean, a hammer and a sickle, that's the tool of a farmer, isn't it? But when, it, <laughs> when they're using it as the brand for world communism which is state-run totalitarian, that's your new world order. Wow, that puts a different spin on it, right? And, you know, you got your eagles and your candles and your lions and unicorns and your bright sun. Look at the CIA for crying out loud. Look at this. The shield. <laughs> the shield with a sun on it. And it's an interesting sun with the four points, the same four points of the Knights of Malta cross, just done in a different rendition. And sits above it as the eagle, the arch predator of the sky that sees all. There's your CIA. And they actually just re redid their symbol, by the way. They have a new version that's like really woke and, you know. But uh, yeah, just interesting symbolism to get into. These intelligence networks, who do they really work for, right? Here's your MI5, MI6. I mean, come <laughs> you. You're using the Illuminati all-seeing eye pyramid, and that's the symbol of your intelligence agency, the British intelligence. Holy crap, we could do a whole thing on this. Get into Professor Anthony Sutton, man. But here's a bit, uh, again, from Michael's article by Sword and Shield, where he's saying the emblem of British intelligence, MI5, is highly suggestive. It is obviously Masonic. In the 1950s, the head of this secretive organization was none other than John Alexander Sinclair of the infamous Templar dynasty, members of which fled from Europe to Scotland during and after the 14th century. Note the Masonic all-seeing eye, the Maltese crosses, right? At the top of the crown there. And that, notice how the Maltese cross is on the top of the crown? 
indicating who really runs it, right? Um, so you got your Masonic all-seeing eye, your Maltese crosses, and your fleur-de-lis of the Order of Sion. So fleur-de-lis, there's your French Masonic connection, the French Rothschilds, the Order of Sion. Ignore all the idiots out there that are like, the Order of Sion has been debunked. It's just a conspiracy theory. Oh, those guys are retards. Ignore them. It's There's a whole study. Order of Sion, Zion. How many times do you hear about Zion in Hollywood movies? What is that? That comes out of secret societies. That comes out of these intelligence cults. It's a place. It's, it's a place in your mind on just an occult level, but it's it's the new world order. It's the cult. The policy of this and other surveillance services is to seek out and destroy anyone posing as a threat to the exons and their nefarious network. And this was the question that I brought up in the chapter: Who do these spooks really work for? The knowledge that they have that comes from the ancient Egyptians, the Hittites, the Syrians, the uh, Babylonians, the Romans, the ancient, the Greeks, the ancient knowledge of sabotage, intrigue, espionage, infiltration, subversion, that knowledge can be used in two different ways. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It could be used to protect your nation against foreign enemies and domestic, or it could be used to infiltrate and overthrow your nation, which is what it has been used for. I don't need to prove this to you guys with all kinds of peer-reviewed journals. We just have to look at the facts of the world that we live in right now for this to be proven. Because under their watch, under the watch of this all-seeing eye, look what's happening to the world, guys. And again, if any of these intelligence agent people are watching this, if you're a patriot and you work on the inside, you probably know full well what I'm saying is true. And we need more of you to step out and work for the right side of history here and start fighting for freedom and for your country and stop serving this dark cult that will dispatch of you just as easily as they recruit you because they don't really give a crap about you. You've been had just like all these poor little doctors and nurses and all these priests and all these people that go in for good intentions. Let me come back a minute. Remember that bit um, where G. Edward Griffin, bless the man, bless the man. G. Edward Griffin, that documentary that he did, The Capitalist Conspiracy, where he was actually not attacking capitalism. He was attacking the crony capitalists, the Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, Roche Group Syndicate, right? That's a totally different game. They use it as a, as a cover. But he did a fantastic little documentary. I think you can still find it all on uh, YouTube. And I took the little bit, again, bringing out the compartmentalized nature of these systems. It's compartmentalized. You've got your core group that knows what's going on. As those rings build out, you know, less and less and less and less and less. Meanwhile, thinking you're at the top and you know everything. So all the people are like, I know Masons. I know Templars. I know Shriners. I know Knights of Malta. I know guys working in the CIA. My dad used to work for the FBI. He was a good guy. Nothing dark going on. Rings within rings. You're on a need-to-know basis, and you know what you're supposed to know, so you do your job, and you stay out of their way. When you get to the real whistleblowers that come from well above the ranks of anybody you're going to walk around and meet in the street, they're going to tell you a totally different story about what's going on behind those doors. And again, the evidence of history and the situation that we find ourselves in speaks volumes. If it was all good and love and light, we wouldn't be living in this tyranny and evil, would we? So there's a whole story, guys. 
And Geo Griffin, man, that, that's such a good clip. I'm so glad I put that one in. So yeah, the question, who do these intelligence cults and spy networks really work for? Do they work for you? Do they work to protect your country? In a world where they're trying to do away with countries, what do you think the role of the intelligence agencies are now? They're going to work for the World Economic Forum. They're going to work for the central government, as they always have. And these intelligence agencies, if you remember that clip from Chapter 6, where I'm going into Philip Gardner's work, he's he tracked the Knights of Malta specifically. When they started setting up their little hospital game and gig over in the Middle East during the Crusades, they had already embedded themselves and built all kinds of spy networks all the way through the Middle East in liaison with their networks and then continued to bring that over to the West. So the history of this is far bigger than you can imagine, my friends. That's, that's, what I've, that's where I'm at. That's what I've come to is it's bigger than we can even comprehend. We can only get little shards, but when you put all the shards together, wow, what a picture, eh? And then, I mean, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you have a thesis, you have a, you know, and I, you can't, you don't have a smoking gun, but you got lots of anecdotal, you got lots of bits and pieces. And then, you know, intuitively you're onto something. And then, you know, you're just looking through stuff and you keep finding references to things that are so relevant and prove the thing more than you can imagine. It's, it's crazy. The Corona story. Do you know the real Corona story, my friends? Not the bullshit we've been through the last two years with this pandemic hoax. The first Corona program was the CIA's Corona spy satellite program that on the surface was just there to make sure that we didn't get infiltrated by Russian intelligence and any of those Nazis that we all brought in through Operation Paperclip to work for us and build our intelligence apparatus. Uh, the first Corona story was about surveillance, having the, the, the looking glass. That's your, that's the, this is the public story that the Corona story is the public polished, packaged and delivered story by your lovely CIA to basically tell you, we have the looking glass. We are the eye, we see all, and we we're using it of course, to protect you America, <laughs> even though we're letting guys in the back door that are that hate America, like your Bushes and your Clintons and your cabals and George Soros and all these guys set up. You know, look at the relationship between these intelligence networks and your social media companies, your Facebooks. Look, look at like people like John Brennan and, and these, these creatures that come out of these intelligence communities that ran it. And then wasn't it, this is the punchline of that section in the chapter. What did we just go through in, in this 2020, 2021, 2022 fiasco about coronavirus, coronavirus, <laughs> the intelligence virus, the spy network intelligence gathering virus. What did we, what happened really? Did we stop the bat? Did we stop the flu with all the track and trace and their surveillance drones and the shelter in place and report your neighbor? I'd be this, the resurrection of the Stasi police with your phone QR codes, your vaccine passports that have to be up to date in order for you to enter into the temple and be seen by the gods. 
You must be contrite. All right? You must bless yourself with the holy water of the hand sanitizer, and you must wear the official religious garb of the cult before you will be seen in Walmart and addressed as a citizen. What was it all about, really? It was about the largest intelligence-gathering operation in world history is what it was about. And we actually contributed to it on social media. And I knew that getting into it, but I did it anyways because you got to do something. But all of our responses, every comment you've ever written, every post you've ever posted is all in that NSA database. They know exactly the psychology. They know the rhythm. They know the date, the time. They're collecting this, these intelligence agencies. And they're then selling that information to ad agencies that are advertising shit to you. Then they're tracking you on Facebook. Even when you leave Facebook, they're tracking you on TikTok. Even when you leave TikTok. Do you think TikTok and Facebook and Google themselves are actually the big, big track and trace program? Or do they work for the intelligence cult that works for the real big boys and girls? All right. That sit at the top. This coronavirus was the largest intelligence gathering operation in world history. And I find it rather coincidental that the first major spy satellite operation in American history was called the Corona program. So check into that. And then we get into psychology. This is, this is the end. This is the end of the debate. Okay. <laughs> if it hasn't been already. Ah, uh, look at the amount of time, energy, money, and resources that your government in America, in Canada, in Australia, in the UK, in Saudi Arabia, I don't care, but let's just focus on these CIA programs that are mostly well-known, what they did to try to crack the safe of your psyche and figure out all the mysteries of your mind and how it works. Look at how much intelligence they gathered on your intelligence and how to manipulate it, how to trigger you, how to persuade you. These people know how you tick on a psychological level. Do you know how you tick? Do you have intelligence of your, of your own intelligence or are you ignorant of your ignorance? That's the difference between freedom and slavery moving into this new era, my friends. Are you ignorant of your ignorance or are you awakening your divine intelligence? That's the, that's the split right now. These people know deeply what you like, what you hate, what you fear, what you love, what you want, what you crave. They manufacture it. They know it. They used mescaline, LSD, cocaine, all kinds of drugs you can imagine. It was Heisenberg on steroids, eh? Injecting people with cocktails, experimenting on them like guinea pigs, doing operations in America where they're spraying people and then taking the results and then bringing it back to the lab. They're putting shit in the water, Tuskegee, on and on we could go, okay? You think these people care about protecting you? Do you think these people work for you, the free patriots? Look at the world. They call you the undesirables. They call you the Nazi bigot racist homophobes. They experimented on human beings like lab rats for decades and taxpayers paid for it. 
and you trust these people. Wow. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the normies that are still stuck in the matrix, but you know what I'm saying? You got to check out that film, 1967, called The Trip, bringing in all this occult stuff into these programs, mind control, drugs, top secret. That's just what they want you to know. Imagine what they don't want you to know. And then these are just, I'm not going to do the whole quote from Marchetti. I just, this quote, this is one of my favorite parts in the, in the show, by the way, just personally, just, I love just... No talking, just images, music, and some quotes just to kind of give you an idea, a little bit more esoteric and artistic. But <laughs> look at what CIA insiders are telling us, okay? And the media, the journos that don't have an IQ above room temperature are going to tell you that this guy's a conspiracy theorist quack. Get out of town. This guy's telling you the whole story which you can verify from multiple different ways. This cult, he says, the cult that penetrated the intelligence agencies and took it over at the top and compartmentalized everything, this cult is patronized and protected by the highest level government officials in the world. They have protection. The Knights of Malta, they have legal immunity from prosecution. Why do you think the pharmaceutical giants also have legal immunity from prosecution? Because they're progenitors granted them legal process, legal immunity. They infiltrated it and they, they stole your birthright by doing it. It manipulates, this cult manipulates individuals in areas of, wait for it, important public influence, including the academic world and the mass media. That conspiracy theorist that used to work for the CIA and wrote a book about it, He's trying to warn you about what we're seeing happen in real time right now. And I still talk to people that are aware that we're being lied to about this stuff, but they're still like, well, I, just, I, I don't want to go all the way into the conspiracy, but I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but if somebody says that to me, I walk out of the room. I don't care. At that point, I'm like, I don't have time for amateur hour anymore, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's obvious. It's beyond conspiracy. It's beyond that. <laughs> It's beyond that. This is just a, this is what we're exposing. Isn't a conspiracy. What we're exposing is a human resources management program. It's way bigger than conspiracy. This is human farming that we're exposing. Okay. When you get into the criminal underworld and people that don't believe it exists. I mean, wow. What do you got to say to that? They manipulate academic world. And I got that bit from chapter one. Denny Rancourt and so many other great people coming out and telling you, yeah, the scientific papers, they're not peer reviewed. The peer review process is bullshit. It has been since the seventies. The journals are financed by the pharmaceutical giants. The studies done to prove safety and efficacy for their drugs or their vaccines are done by the pharmaceutical companies themselves. It's a massive complex conflict of interest. And everybody's sitting there going, well, but the FDA approved community and therefore the FDA is shit. The FDA, look at the symbol of it. Who built the FDA? The FDA is another pharmaceutical company. So is the CDC. The World Health Organization is run by China and Bill Gates and these intelligence agencies. And you're going to sit back and tell me that you trust the science? No, no, you're trusting the cult. That's what you're trusting. They're going to tell you it's science. They're going to tell you it's about God and love and donations to the poor and sick. 
but it, it's not. It's all fake. It's fake news. It's fake science. It's fake medicine. It's fake intelligence. It's fake. You're being had. That's what he's saying. And yeah, they control the mass media. Go check out your Operation Mockingbird and go listen to the, the, the congressional hearings on that where they admitted that to you. And every question that got even close to it, they're like, well, well, well I want to have that question asked in private executive session, please. I, I don't want to tell the American people who pay our salaries about that. That's just too classified. It will put our entire nation at risk if we admit that we manipulate the media and we own CNN, okay? We don't want to admit that. So you wonder why your media is all saying the same shit no matter where you look in the world and they're all the enemy of the people and they're all the scum of the earth talking down to good people making fun of Dutch farmers and truckers and all that. Who are these people? They're elitist pigs that work for these cults. And he's telling you, black and white, whose purpose this cult is, these purpose of this cult is to further, so he's like, this is a cult within a cult, okay? Because these guys, their purpose is to further the political policies of persons or agencies unknown. This guy come out of the CIA and he doesn't even know who's above him. It reminds me of that quote from like Giuseppe Mancini who took the mantle of the Illuminati, I think after Albert Pike, when he was saying similar thing, oh, there's something well above us. You know, we are the veterans and the progenitors of the secret societies and we don't even know who runs the top. It's so compartmentalized. Agencies unknown. Who are we talking about, folks? Now, this is... <laughs> <laughs> this this happened this bit the resident evil clip this was very spontaneous okay i did not plan to put this in it, it just i saw i started watching it i just saw it i was like ah, oh, i haven't seen this movie since it came out i think what it came out in 2002 <laughs> there's something interesting there in a minute <laughs> what's the synopsis of resident evil first of all resident evil I grew up playing the video games. This was the game that my friends and I would sneak out to get some older kid to rent for us so we could go back and play. <laughs> it's like a survival horror game. It's actually a really interesting game. And uh, it eventually, you know, they did a movie about it, 2002. And it was made by Constantine Films. Did you notice that? Constantine Films, Emperor Constantine, Rome. Uh, 2020, 2002, 2002. If you play a little numerology, reverse everything's a mirror game, 2002 also can become 2020. All right, I'm just saying, maybe I'm looking into it too deeply, but you guys let me know what you think. Is it coincidence? I don't know. Because did you see the opening of the film? I put it in, I put it in, it was so crucial. And what's the symbol of what they call the umbrella corporation? It's the umbrella corporation. It's the symbol of an umbrella. The umbrella meaning it's a it's the umbrella above all the other things. It's the Knights of Malta symbol. Ain't that a coincidence? And what is the synopsis of the film? Let's read it together. At the beginning of the 21st century, the Umbrella Corporation HR, had become the largest commercial entity in the United States. In public, it is the world's leading supplier of computer technology medical products and healthcare nine out of nine out of 10 
Nine out of every 10 homes contain its products. Its political and financial influence is felt everywhere. Unknown even to its own employees, <laughs> hint, hint, compartmentalization, its massive profits are actually generated by military technology, genetic experimentation, and viral weaponry. <laughs> and then look at the, look at, so in the film, it just kind of zooms in and there's this creepy scientist guy mixing up these two virus vials that are in the shape of the DNA spiral and the caduceus, okay? Just whoo, right there. And the colors, I didn't put it in this image, but when you watch the clip, what are the colors of the two types of this viral vial that they're putting into some suitcase to ship off somewhere? And this is what creates the zombie apocalypse, right? <laughs> it's blue and green. They're mixing the blue and the green. If you know anything about occult symbolism and color psychology, and you understand uh, how some of these ancient cults look at things, get into something called the green man, the green man. They have the green man statues in Vatican Square, the green man. You're going to see that pop up a lot. And there's both good and negative elements to the symbol itself. But just think about how these guys think the green man is something they're trying to resurrect and recreate from the blue man, the Atlantic man. You know, the genetic engineering program and hybridization program that may in fact not just be something new, <laughs> right? And what was this scene in the opening bit? This guy does his little mix and match, puts it in this suitcase and then throws the blue one at the counter and then locks the door at the last minute on purpose so that this leaks out through the air vents and then boom, you've got raccoon city infested with zombies, the zombie apocalypse and the umbrella corporation did it all for what depopulation world control, right? Is there any co connection there to what we've been hearing about these gain of function research and all this, uh, you know, these lab leaks and things like that. They're telling you, they've got to tell you. It's part of the gig. They have to tell you the truth. They just don't have to tell you directly. So they tell you in the films. They tell you in the symbolism in the media. They tell you subliminally. They're speaking to your underworld so that you think it's, well, oh, it's just fantasy. So your fantasy media is reality and your real world media is fantasy. It's topsy-turvy Alice in Wonderland. And that's how they work. So yeah, Resident Evil 2002, <clears throat> 2020, uh, talking about the Umbrella Corporation, Knights of Malta, and the Pharma, and their real trade is unknown to their own employees, compartmentalization, and uh, they told you the whole thing in the film, and it was made by Constantine Films. Just saying, interesting, right? And is reality that far from fiction, my friends? You got your CIA experiments, mix and match. It's modern day alchemy, alchemically modified man. That's what they want. They want this. This is from their own documents, declassified. We are seeking to a way about how to quote, control an individual to the point 
where he will do our bidding against his will. And you're telling me there's no conspiracy in the world. You're telling me there's no agenda. You're telling me that you can just trust the media and the doctors and the anti-Fauci and all this stuff, right? Controlling an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will. That was the mandate of your MK Ultras and your MK Oftens and your Project Artichokes, Project Sign. It's endless. Now, a little bit of reading here. This comes from, if you remember, uh, what was this, chapter three, I want to say? I think it was chapter three. I did that little bit with uh, Peter Goch. And he wrote a book that you, it's mandatory reading alongside Cult of the Medics. It's called Deadly Medicines and Organized Crime. And I didn't get to put these quotes in because they're long, so it works better in this kind of format. But it, it really just helps to lay out the connection between your pharma drugs, your underworld mafia drugs, and of course, the connection that I was making with the CIA, Iran-Contra drug smuggling, CIA being the biggest drug dealer in the world, who probably is controlling both of those markets, the, the, the underworld black market and the white market of pharma. It's all the same gang, right? Puppets on strings. There's a good connective tissue here is this book. Yeah, I got a few quotes. Peter says, although, and just so you know who he was, Peter Gosh, he was a salesman for pharmaceutical companies for decades. He was highly regarded. And he knew this industry inside and out. And his life's work is in encapsulated in this book. He says, although it is rather obvious that drugs can kill you, this is often forgotten both by patients and doctors. People trust their medicines to such a degree that the Canadian physician, Sir William Osler, 1849 to 1919, wrote that the desire to make medicine is perhaps the greatest feature which distinguishes man from animals. A particularly amusing example is botulinum toxin, which is a neurotoxin placed produced by the bacterium Clostridium botulinium. Sorry, my Latin isn't that good. It is one of the strongest poisons in nature. Sounds like a great thing to put in some drugs, eh? To give to your granny. And a dose of only 50 NG killed half of the monkeys in a toxicity study, which means that one G can kill 10 million monkeys. And I wonder who needed this information so badly that it was worth killing our animal relatives to get it. And yet, what is this amazing killer drug used for? It's used for treating wrinkles between the eyebrows. This comes with age, but you shouldn't be too old and have too much tremor when you inject the toxin as it can be absorbed from the mucous membranes in the eye and it can kill you. The package insert, insert actually warns that deaths have indeed occurred. Is it really worth running a risk of dying, however small it might be, just because you've got some wrinkles? <laughs> He's just starting to peer, peel back the layers of the onion. You know, when you find out that there's lead in your makeup, there's poison in your water, there's poison in your food, there's poison in what kind of shit they put lithium in your stuff, they put metals in your vaccines and your drugs. How many recalls have there been from Bextra to whatever? I showed all the billions of dollars of fines these guys 
pay and it's just a slap on the wrist and they're still in business and they have legal immunity, just like the Knights of Malta do. And, uh, you know, it's organized crime. That's what he's saying. He was a pharma rep. He went and sold this stuff to doctors for for decades. Another one, he says, Hoffman LaRoche. And this is a rabbit hole here, guys. Roche, if you look into this company, the history of it, uh, is the biggest drug pusher. The 10 largest drug companies are all signatories to the U.S. Pharma Code, apart from Hoffman LaRoche, Switzerland, which was the largest corporate fraudster worldwide in the 1990s, according to a 1999 listing of all industries, including banks and oil. <laughs> they outdid the banks and oil corruption. High-level Roche executives led a cartel, a cartel, that according to the U.S. Justice Department's antitrust division was the most pervasive and harmful criminal antitrust conspiracy ever uncovered. But conspiracies are just theories, guys. Top executives at some of the world's largest drug companies, largely from Europe and Asia, met secretly in hotel suites and at conferences. Working together in a coalition they brazenly called Vitamins, Inc., they carved up a world market and carefully orchestrated orchestrated price increases in the process defrauding some of the world's biggest food companies roche alone had rev revenues of 3.3 billion in the united states alone while the conspiracy was running and during that time the conspirators gradually and artfully raised the prices of raw vitamins so as not to attract notice and they also rigged the bidding process so they they realized the vitamin and the natural health field was going to destroy them and so they started getting their hand in that and raising the prices, manipulating stuff. And, um, you know, this is how you control both sides of the game. He continues, between the two world wars, Roche supplied morphine to the underworld. That's his term. Other drug companies in the United Kingdom, Germany, Japan, Switzerland, and the United States also participated in the trade with opium, morphine, and heroin. <laughs> They're all a big happy family. The CEO of Roche in the United States, Elmer Bobst, had great difficulty persuading his superiors in Basel, Switzerland, the home of the Bank of International Settlements, that they should stop their unethical business practice. Roche continued to ship narcotics to the United States behind Bob's back, but he became, but he came across a cryptic telegram while visiting the headquarters, which left no doubt that it came from U.S. criminals. Roche avoided Swiss taxes by setting up a company in the tax refuge Liechtenstein, pushing drugs that people don't need is a highly lucrative business, particularly when the drugs affect brain functions. Roche pushed Valium, which is diazepam, to become the top-selling drug in the world, although many indications for its use were highly doubtful, and the wholesale price was 25 times the price of gold. <laughs> Jeez. In the early 1970s, Roche was fined by antitrust officials in Europe for engaging in anti-competitive behavior in the sale of Valium and other best-selling another best-selling tranquilizer, Librium. I can't pronounce that word. It took 27 years after the first report about dependence had been published before the drug relations fully acknowledged that tranquilizers are a strong addictive, just like heroin and other narcotics. So tranquilizers are highly addictive, folks. Who wants to make you highly addictive to their drugs so that they can keep getting you to come back for more? Another reason why the distinction is irrelevant is that the drug industry doesn't really bother whether their actions are legal or not, as illustrated by the pervasive use of illegal off-label marketing. 
Furthermore, what is legal isn't static, but can change with country, fashion, and prevailing beliefs. And I'll just add, it also helps when you have a pharmaceutical lobby in government that outnumbers Congress, and you're literally the most powerful force on the planet. Uh, that, that can help when you need to get stuff passed, or you need new drugs or vaccines to be put out. And, you know, when you realize who controls the whole game, if their desire is to lower the population and then control the rest, drugs of a variety of kinds, both street level and pharmaceutical, would be an excellent way to achieve that, wouldn't you think? Why do you think everybody's giving you glazed over stairs? They're either psychologically drugged by the media or they're physically drugged by numerous ways. And then, of course, I got this little bit. I uh, could have done a whole section on this, on this interview with Milton P. Siegel. You should go watch it on YouTube. Uh, Vatican control of World Health Organization policy. Here's our connection. An interview with Milton P. Siegel. Uh, this is just a little caption so you can get a preview of it. During the formative years of the World Health Organization, broad consensus existed among United Nations member countries that overpopulation is a grave public health threat. So they looked at overpopulation as a health threat and they became the serpent-laden agency in charge of dealing with it, I guess. I don't know. Um, one of the founding fathers of the WHO, the late Professor Milton P. Siegel. So this guy's one of the founders, all right? who for 24 years was the assistant director general of the organization, speaks to our chairman, Dr. Stephen D. Mumford, back in 1992. And he explains how the Vatican successfully, successfully stymied the incorporation of family planning and birth control into official WHO policy. And this, available, this video is available for public viewing. So, you know, they're, they're talking about how there's a connection between the Vatican and the World Health Organization. They sometimes have little squabbles about different things. But um, when it cuts, comes down to it, to me, the Vatican is the origin of it all anyways. So they're just slowly publicly leaking out the fact about who really pulls the strings, right? So there's a few sections that I could have done um, that I just decided not to do just because there's so much out there. There's a lot, you know, you can look at on your own. Um, some of it is just so dark and disgusting that I just, you know, based on all the other stuff I already looked at, I'm like, I just don't have the energy to do this, but it's there. It's all out there. You know, this idea of adrenaline and adrenochrome. Um, look at this. Uh, this is just one little, one little paper from, what was this? March of 1937 from the biochemical laboratory in Cambridge, where they're talking about the process of how to create adrenalized blood and adrenochrome and how to eventually get it into the drugs. And you, you get the connection of the red cross, right? What's the red cross? It's a massive slush fund. And it's also a, a broker in the blood business. I think that was chapter four. I did that. The business of blood and the red cross where they actually get your free donated blood and then they sell 80% of the blood plasma to pharmaceutical companies where they can make drugs out of it and then sell it back to you. It's disgusting, but it's real. And everybody donates to these organs all the time. Red cross. Where's the symbol of that come from? There's your Templars, my friends. And there's your Johnny Depp talking about adrenochrome openly in a film. You'll see there's lots of films that talk about it. There's a whole telegram channel, by the way, uh, dedicated to just talking about all that possible evidence we can find about this adrenochrome industry. And there are many people that I've spoken to sort of off air that believe the adrenochrome industry 
um, is a multi-trillion dollar underground industry. So, I mean, I'll let you do some sleuthing on your own. Here's some more mainstream media talking about this. This is from the Telegraph. Look at this. They just speak openly. This kind of reminded me of even when you had, uh, what's her face? She was in that movie. Uh, oh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock going on, what was it, Oprah or The View or Ellen. She went on Ellen. She's talking about how she loves this new face cream that helps her face look young. And it comes from the foreskin of little baby Korean babies' penises or something. Like, it's just, I'm sorry. They're saying this openly. This is the kind of stuff these people are just casually dropping out in the public what do you think they're not telling you? Here's Telegraph Life saying, historically, cultures have revered the blood of the young. <laughs> We're just coming right out and saying it. It was even rumored that King Kim Jong-il, the former North Korean dictator, injected himself with blood from unhealthy or from healthy young virgins to slow the aging process. <laughs> Extracted the young blood of healthy young virgins you do know that they do this in ancient cults and they've done this in the satanic underground for a long time you just got to go back to that ted gunderson again he'll tell you all about it and they're just openly just tweeting about it you know harvesting the blood and body parts of the young in the hopes of achieving immortality has long been a trope in horror novels but now scientists have found that cerebral spinal fluid infusions can regenerate the brain's memory center and may help to regenerate elderly bodies. <laughs> right out in the open, guys. Here, this is uh, reported by X22. They're talking about the garden. Youth transplants really can slow the aging process. Babies are sold for up to $6,400 each, depending on the sex, the National Agency for the Prohibition of Trafficking in Persons says. Teenagers with unplanned pregnancies are sometimes lured to clinics and then forced to hand over their babies. The children are often put up for illegal adoption or, in some parts of the country, killed as part of witchcraft rituals because they are thought to make charms more powerful. That's from The Guardian, guys. <laughs> That's not from conspiracytheory.com. Shit. Like, go listen to some old David Icke from the 90s. He'll tell you about what this is all about. It's crazy. It's in the movies as well. Sherlock Holmes, you know, the new Sherlock Holmes films. They talk about this, right? Interesting, eh? They're just putting it out because they're trying to normalize it, just like they're trying to normalize pedophilia. And this cracks open the Planned Parenthood door. Margaret Sanger, eugenicist, racist, right? Satanist. The abortion thing, Roe versus Wade, everybody thinks they're losing their rights. What about the rights of the people you're, uh, I don't know, murdering and then selling their bodies and their organs on the black market and giving blood transfusions to the elderly? Do you think they did that for the elderly in the old folks' homes that Cuomo locked away and made sure that they died horrible deaths during the pandemic? No, no, elite old people the elites this is for the elites guys got to be in the cult to get this stuff and organ harvesting i was going to do something on it just because i thought hey people should know about this any part of the research that i were to show in a video format would have just made everybody throw up and probably stop watching and i just felt i've already shown you enough kind of like at least general uh hints about this stuff I didn't need to really cover it. Let's just agree together that this horrible, evil 
underworld network exists where they actually traffic in human body parts. And in China, they actually like kidnap people and drug them and then take their liver and then sell it on the black market. Like, and then a lot of that stuff ends up in the pharmaceutical labs. And then they use those aborted fetal cell tissues to make your vaccines. And it just goes on and on and on guys. Nothing is what you think it is. This is a human farming operation. Who's doing it? And to what end? So end of the slides. This was the final quote in the trailer of chapter eight. This is my personal statement, my personal belief that only when the full truth is known will freedom be won. We can't have freedom in ignorance because it'll lead back to slavery again. So don't look away, even if it's horrifying. Don't tap out because you're tired and you're sick and tired of all the stuff going on and you just want to get back to normal. Normie world ended and which reset is going to win? The freedom reset and the flushing out of all the toxins and the draining of the global swamp or the great cabal reset? We're not going to have a chance against them unless we get a grasp on the truth and unless we claim freedom inside in each and every one of us. You can have all the paper documents and constitutions you want, but freedom has to be something you live. It has to be something that you embody. It has to be something that you practice. Regardless of what the world is doing, regardless of what certain tyrannical government is doing, the truth and the freedom are synonymous. And then I've got, uh, how are we doing? We're actually doing okay on time, considering I thought this would take three hours by itself, just the slides. So I'm happy because uh, I do have a few articles to show. I must have collected over 500 articles just for that chapter. These just, just like what I like eight of them. I'll show you just to give you a sampling. Uh, they may seem kind of random and out of order, but I just wanted to make you aware of them. And again, I'll post links on my telegram afterwards. It's just some interesting stuff. You know, the fact that you have the NIH, you got a study here that was done in 2019. It's called The Moral Dangers of Technocratic Medicine, written by John M. Traveline, medical doctor. I thought, wow, I, this was, I wasn't expecting to find an article like this on PubMed. Here's the abstract, just interesting. Current healthcare practices are becoming increasingly threatened by a technocracy and the influence of a technocratic oversight of medicine as a profession compromises good, compassionate care. So this is a doctor that's trying to just go, hey guys, What's going on in our industry? It's becoming a technocracy. I think it was Aldous Huxley that was the first to use that word, by the way. I'm not sure. A real life case, he says, illustrating how technocratic oversight in healthcare threatens the practice of medicine and healthcare in general serves as a basis for discussing some of the common perils inherent in a technocratic model of medicine. This article suggests antidotes and concludes with alternate pathways to practice medicine amid technocratic challenges. The summary is this article discusses technocracy in current U.S. healthcare in order to raise awareness of its potentially negative side effects. It then offers an overview of the remedies based on Christian anthropology. So he's just giving his, look, the medicization of death, technocracy. He's just giving his opinion in here. And I'm just, 
you know, I'm just always happy to see a doctor raising their hand to go. I'm trying to warn my fellow colleagues about the fact that we are, we're the baddies. <laughs> are we the bad? We're the baddies guys. We're becoming the baddies. We're becoming the baddies. Let's get it. You know, and what can we do about it? So just want to point that out. Not everybody's bad. Uh, it's a decent site, churchandstate.org in the UK. Uh, just have a really good article on the alliance between the CIA and the Vatican. Of course, the CIA is basically built by the Knights of Malta. So that's their military. And their Knights of Malta is the official military branch of the Catholic Church. Do you think a bunch of those old fogies up there are actually going to war? No, it's all intelligence and media, right? So yeah, of course, there's connections between the CIA and the Vatican. You got the Vatican Alliance. The Institute for Works of Religion, or IOR, commonly referred to as the Vatican Bank, this is another rabbit hole you can get into, is a privately held financial institution located inside of Vatican City, <clears throat> which of course is its own sovereign territory. Founded in 1942, the IOR's role is to safeguard and administer property intended for works of religion or charity. The bank accepts deposits only from top church officials and entities, according to Italian legal scholar Settimio Cardini. It is run by a president, but overseen by five cardinals who report directly to the Vatican and the Vatican's Secretary of State, who is a Jesuit. Because so little is known about the bank's daily operations and transactions, it has often been called, quote, the most secretive bank in the world. Someone's got to fund the world takeover. I mean, come on. This gets into the history of Pope Pius and all these guys and the creation, contributions from, you know, the connections from America. Wild Bill Donovan, right? The knighthood into the Knights of Malta. I, I talk about this. There's a whole section where I go through all the CIA founders and heads are all Knights of Malta, Skull of Bones, Order of the Bath, you know. You got George Bush Sr. running down and getting knighted by the Queen of England, which wasn't America trying to get away from monarchical rule? I don't know. Why is the president going to get knighted into the Knights of Malta and the Order of the Bath? It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, all your CIA, all your intelligence heads, guys, they're all Knights of Malta. All of them. So there's your connection to the medical world as well. These are the guys that did medical experiments to hack the psyche. You know? These guys are also, I've got a great book that I'm reading. It's actually a fictionalized book based on reality and facts and sources. Um, and it's the connection between the Vatican and the mafia. So you got connections between the Vatican and the mafia, the Italian mafia, Sicilian, La Cosa Nostra, etc. You got your Vatican connections to pharma through the Knights of Malta and the whole Club of Rome. There's your climate cult, the whole guy. It's all the same people. Uh, there's connections to the banks, Right. The two keys, the two eagles, the maritime admiralty system. That's there's your Pope. Uh, what we were talking about this with Chance, and uh, we were talking about the uh, maritime admiralty system. What was I going to say about it? Well, it's you know the birthing process. You're born. This is what gets into the t Michael Tessarian section in chapter eight. You're born in white and you die in black. Someone knows something about symbolism. He says. You're born to the white Templar and you die to the black Templar. They put the white Pope in front for everybody to slobber over and then they got the black Pope running shit in the background. These are the Italian merchants. 
who had red shields as their symbols well before the Rothschilds were even a speck of dust on this planet. Your, your uh, black Venetian families, it's all connected in. These are the guys that basically built the Vatican. You got your Vatican death squads, other Catholic banks, the Vatican desk, the Knights of Malta. Oh, this gets into Angleton. I, I spent a lot of time on Angleton, James Jesus Angleton, whose famous quote was, deception is a state of mind and the mind of the state. <laughs> and he's a Knight of Malta founder. He, he was also, um, he built the Israeli desk, which was the liaison between the CIA and Mossad and Shin Bet. And uh, it's all a big happy family, okay? It's all built by the same people. So interesting article. And this is a good book. Check it out. Oh, Gladio. This gets into this more. And I did a little bit on Angleton because Angleton was the architect of Operation Gladio. A crazy story, which on the surface is, we're just trying to stop the communists. So we're going to hire all the Nazis to help us stop the communists. That's just the surface story. Go into Professor Anthony Sutton's work and he'll show you the transactions where the same people financed both the communists and the fascists. So this is all just the, the fights on the surface. It's all controlled by the same gangs. You got to read about the unholy alliance between the Vatican, the CIA, and the mafia, <laughs> you know, for some light reading on a Sunday afternoon. Um, oh, this was just a little article from the International Society for Human Rights, just highlighting the scourge of organ harvesting. China is a major player in this. Organ harvesting is essentially killing on demand, which is the selling and transplanting of the organs of victims. The origin of tens of thousands of donor organs in the People's Republic of China remains completely unclear. More than likely, this is due to thousands of people in China becoming victims of organ harvesting. To the extent of our knowledge, the victims primarily consist of arbitrarily jailed prisoners from Chinese labor camps and re-education facilities coming to a theater near you, should the New World Order not be stopped. Um, organ harvesting is, a largely, is largely a synonym for the legal expression organ trafficking, which can be more broadly interpreted. People, people also become victims of organ harvesting in other countries, especially in the Sinai Peninsula and in India. So they prey on the third world. They prey on the countries that they help create, like China and the big People's Republic and all that. And uh, they traffic it from these places. And then they traffic it into the West. And then if you believe that your pharma doesn't get their hands on this stuff to make drugs and vaccines out of, you know, you need a wake-up call. It's so crazy. It's probably even worse than we know. So I just wanted to hint at it. We don't need to go any further than that. It's the most disgusting research I've ever had to do, so I won't make you live through it. Just take my word for it, okay? It exists, it's evil, and it must be stopped. Here's actually a, a pub chem National Library of Medicine article talking about the process for preparing adrenochrome. And of course, they're going to tell you, it's, oh, it's just, you know, it's all harmless. We just get it from people that are already on their way out, and, you know, we don't kidnap children in the child trafficking world, and do any of that. Come on. It's just in the movies. It's all official science. Make sure you trust the science. Trust the adrenochrome science, guys. We got everything under control. This one was interesting. Uh, I want to get to a specific spot in this. This is just an article back in 2001 by Jonathan Levy talking about the Vatican sued for looting Nazi gold under CIA and MI5 permission. 
There's actually a lawsuit against the Vatican and the CIA. Uh, where was I going? Here we go. Most of my... Uh, oh, what's happening? There's a certain section I'm trying to get to, guys. Just bear with me. It's a whole. It's an interesting article. Read through it. Um, gets into Alan, Alan Dulles and the OSS connection, British intelligence connection to the Nazis. Pavelic and other Nazis were housed and protected in Vatican castles and monasteries, often taking the guise of priests. The Utasha loot was used to set up the Eustache. Uh, I can't even, what is that? Eustache. Oh, Eustache. That loot was used as an anti-communist freedom fighter. Oh, that's the group. The so-called Eustache Krizari Crusaders fought a rear guard action against Tito, who was in a standoff against Americans. This is not what I'm looking at. Yeah. Draganovic ran the so-called Vatican rat line, procuring for Croatians, but also for other Nazi war criminals like Adolf Eichmann, false papers and passage to the new lives in South America and elsewhere. So this is getting into the Vatican, not rat lines. And when you start to read this, you're again going to find that they're talking about, oh, this was just that period of war where we had to stop the communists. They were just becoming so big. So we're the good guys. We were just trying to stop those communists by hiring Nazis to come in and run all our intelligence and stuff for us. But we know they're all just playing the same game from two different sides. And Nazism, communism, they're all socialism. So it's all financed by the same elites. So anyways, interesting article. You can check it out. It's a good read. I found this on the Internet Archive. This is uh, from 1986. It's a publication about the Nazis, the Vatican, and the CIA. Gives you some interesting images. And you can read it. It's like an old, it gets into all these characters. Klaus Barbie. Yeah, some stuff with Brazil is really interesting. Yeah, they have a whole chapter on the order of military, sovereign order of military. Sorry, the sovereign military order of Malta. They're called the Knights of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, there's Angleton. Yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting. So that's all I got for slides and uh, articles for now. I may even add some extra ones when I drop this on my Telegram for you guys because I got so much more uh, to show you. And book lists, people have been asking for book lists. I put the book recommendations in the chapters. So just make sure you're taking notes when you're watching. Um, you know, I had the one, The General Was a Spy. That's a good book. Um Oh, uh, a big salute to Colonel James Bogreitz, who came out exposing Iran-Contra, New World Order. Um, he spoke about all kinds of stuff, and he was there. He was like, we were there, and the top drug runner in the Iran-Contra scandal, and the, the what was it, uh, what was the name of that flight operation the CIA did? That Tom Cruise movie kind of talks about it, um, but the real story is way better or way worse, depending on how you look at it. Uh, but basically, he said, the top drug runners that we had arrested were saying, oh, the, the politicians in the US are our number one customers. 
And now you're seeing all this hunting Hunter Biden's crack pipes coming out everywhere. <laughs> and you're wondering why sleepy Joe's so sleepy. And, uh, you just, the, the swamp is deep and wide and it's dark and it's, it goes very deep and it's in their hands are in everything. It's, it's horrible. The, the trafficking tunnels, the little bit on the trafficking tunnels, uh, they traffic drugs on, on the media. They'll always say, Oh, so they traffic drugs and a couple drug kingpins, the cartels bring in through the Southern border, you know, but it's human trafficking. It's all kinds of stuff, right? They bring terrorist networks in, uh, God knows what, what happens in these underground systems. So there's a deep, dark underworld that needs to be exposed. And there's many facets to it. We're going to go even deeper as these chapters progress. Uh, chapter nine of Cult of the Medics, which I'm going to be doing in the fall. I need a little break, man. It's just crazy. Um, need to recharge. So I'll do it in the fall. And chapter nine is going to be about the mass crowd mind control, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and also it's going to be mostly about solutions and uh, how to have real health and what freedom really is. It's going to be uh, a real uplifting, heroic part of the saga. And most people could leave the series at chapter nine. That's how I'm looking at it. And then for those of you who would like to join me on the exploration of the Charles Fort quote that I opened up the entire series with, with the first trailer, uh, we will be dissecting that in the last three chapters. So they'll be kind of like the bonus fringe chapters where we explore the who's really doing this. Is it really human? What's really going on? How deep does the rabbit hole go? Um, that'll be the last three chapters. Those are going to be good. So we still have a lot to do. And then once I'm done, uh, my wife is going to help me. She's just awesome with the writing aspect. Uh, we're considering doing a book on it. So that'll be in book form with way more details and footnotes and sources and uh, be a lot of fun as well. So we're planning on working on that. I also will be, when I'm done the series, doing a whole revamp of the website and adding in lots of sources and mind maps and links and references. And uh, just so that by the time this is done, you'll have a documentary series, you'll have all kinds of source material to go through, uh, and you'll have a book and you'll have the whole thing. And it's the it's, it's what it takes to roll out this gigantic thesis, uh, that when you put it all together is, is pretty stunning. And I owe all my gratitude and all of it to the great teachers that have helped me. I, I reference them constantly throughout the work that I'm doing here. This isn't just me. I'm just collecting. I'm the DJ, just remixing it and trying to put a new spin on it. Um, take all the great works and the great minds that have already built on these ideas and then just add my own little bit to it and put it in a way and in a context that maybe you haven't seen before. Because I feel like sometimes it's helpful when we think we know a subject. Like, you know, I'm per pretty sure it wasn't a surprise that the CIA is corrupt and was infiltrated and all that. The they created the synthetic conservative movement in the West and to make it look like there's an opposition. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys knew about that, but did you see, did you look at it from this when you put all this together, when you put it together like this, a unique perspective can come out. And then from that, maybe other researchers can pick up and add even more layers to it and we can expose more. And I think we're in an age of revealing right now. I definitely believe that. Look at all the things that are happening. I mean, for crying out loud, they blew up the Georgia Guidestones a week ago. Uh, they got a farmer rebellion happening all over Europe. People have had enough. 
there's whispers of Canada starting the trucker thing again. Um, there's people who see what's going on with this Klaus Schwab dog and pony show and all these puppet politicians and the corruption and they're getting doses, little drips, 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 drips of all these things, all the, all the houses of light that we used to just worship and trust blindly and think we're there for our best interest. We're realizing has been overcome by the shadow of the underworld. And that is just coming more and more to the surface. Right. And, uh, we're just getting warmed up. Like nothing's going to stop this now. Think about it. What could turn this around? There's too many people that know about a lot of, they don't know maybe the depth of it, but they know enough about all this fraud and corruption and the fact they've been lied to and their economies have been looted and their land is being taken. You know, you got these Dutch farmers that are like, we think there's a bigger agenda here. They're just coming for our land. This isn't about climate change. They just want our land. And that's true. Climate change and helping the sick and the needy. Make sure you get your shot. That's all just bullshit. This is not about any of that. This is about what I'm showing you. It's a criminal operation that is way bigger than we can imagine. It goes deep into the underworld, both figuratively and literally. This whole planet is honeycombed with tunnel systems and underground caverns and secret cults that you wouldn't believe. And the world is slowly going to catch up to this eventually, at least uh, those of us out there, maybe not the whole world, but those of us out there that are actively looking at this now, that care about truth and freedom, we're getting a bigger picture. And now we, you and I, can become the real media, the real journals, forget the fake ones that read teleprompters. Um, they work for the CIA, they work for the intelligence world, they work for the mafia. They're nobody. They're nothing. They're they're fired. The humanity's done. Look at their ratings. Their ratings are through the floor. What is it like? Eleven percent ratings now. People even watch media, read newspapers. It's like seven percent. So they're falling miserably. I uh, also am in the process of releasing uh, an interview that I just did with the great Ralph Ellis on the Climate Gate scam, because that's another component to this. If they're not freaking you out with pandemics, they're freaking you out with uh, fluffing your pillows too hard because that causes heart attacks or chemicals in the upper atmosphere that are causing heart attacks because of climate change. Ralph Ellis destroyed the climate cult into a billion pieces and scattered them into the center of the sun in this interview. It's over. It's over, guys. If you watch this interview, it's an unslaved interview. Uh, sadly, Michael had something come up last minute. He was sad he had to miss it, but uh, I went ahead and did the show with Ralph and it was good because Ralph had a bunch of slides and he just got, he just ran through it. We had a good chat. So I'm processing those files now for Unslaved. I'll have those up hopefully by tomorrow. Uh, that show is really key and uh, Unslaved is just an, an amazing archive on this stuff. And uh, so that's coming up. I'm also next week going to be releasing the full interview that I did with my good friend, Laura Lee Scaife. Uh, who is featured at the end of chapter eight, getting into the Lord of the Rings and the astrological cycle that we find ourselves in. Uh, she gets into the real underworld cycle coming out of the mythologies and all that in this interview. So it's really cool. So I'll be releasing that in full uh, next week. And then I'll be back on the bandwagon, getting some more guests in to talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, and let's just keep this going. And wherever you are, help me share this out. Keep talking. Don't worry about people shouting you down. 
Don't ignore the media and the politicians and all the fake Twitter accounts and all the, forget it. They've lost. They just don't know it yet. Just keep telling the truth. Even if your voice shakes, stay on target. We are going to win in the end. You are going to win in the end. It's because the lie has to fall. It has to. It's a process of nature that's beyond all of us. No powerful Illuminati secret society or any of that stuff can stop it. It's impossible. They're outranked and outgunned by nature and the spirit of this universe. So um, the spirit of freedom is clearly being activated in people all over. And guess what did it? Confronting the underworld, confronting the lie, being stuck in a tyrannical moment in history, being lied to and gaslit, being poisoned. That's what it takes to wake people up. And people are. And so we have to help facilitate that, nurture that, encourage that. You're going to need to be there as a pillar of strength for all your friends and family who are just slowly pulling their head out of the gutter of misinformation and mind control. Um, don't be a jerk about the I told you so's. Don't do it. Take the higher path and just be of help. Just be of service. Um, save your I told you so's for the real criminal cabal members, right? But the average normal person that means well, but just is ignorant and was fooled by very sophisticated mind control. We need to help them if they want it. Don't force anything. We got to give them the freedom to hate freedom if they want, but freedom's going to win. So might as well just join the winning team. But uh, yeah, be that, be the light in your community, be the light in your world, be the change you want to see. Uh, do your own research. Don't, you know, you just go out and do this is all I'm doing. I'm just a guy that was inspired by my teachers and by the aspects, the experiences in my life to go and do something about it. I didn't know what else to do. What else do you do? What does, what else does one person do? And I went, well, I'm going to grab a microphone. I'm going to suck at first and I'm just going to get better. And I'm going to keep reading and keep learning and keep trying and never give up. And here I am now with Cult of the Medics and this great show and you find people and uh, without your support, I wouldn't be able to do it. So thanks to everybody. It means a lot. Let's stick together. Uh, all the signs are that this whole edifice is crumbling on its own footprint, which is just quite a sight to behold. I have a feeling the next few weeks and months are going to be lit. <laughs> If you just see the trends, if you see my telegram, like I can't even catch up to all the stuff that's happening. That's how much is happening. And it's just going to keep going. And uh, truth will prevail in the end. I've said it from the beginning. I believe it in my heart. You've got to believe it. You got to believe in victory. And uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Truth wins, my friends. So thanks for joining me. Cultofthemedics.com. Go check it out. Support this work. Keep sharing it, download it. I've got the MP4 up there. Uh, I know there's a lot, so feel free to clip little sections and put it out as little media shares to help trigger people's curiosity. And uh, also just make sure you put credit where it's due. Just put the website link so people know where to go and see the source. That's all I'm asking for. And uh, please share out this podcast if you got something out of it. All right. I'll be back with you guys again soon. And let's go win this shit. Love you guys. Cheers.